I'm Michael DeMeritt. I'm the first assistant director on Star Trek Enterprise. Now, how do you feel about the Star Wars uh, the genre and uh, the direction it's taking right now with the new movies? Well, the original movies motivated me to get into this business. If it wasn't for Star Wars, I probably wouldn't have generated an interest in working in film at all, much less science fiction. I find uh, history to be the most interesting element. I don't think Star Wars would have existed if it wasn't for Star Trek. And I don't think Star Trek, the one I'm working on, would have existed if it wasn't for Star Wars. One fed the other. The current storyline is, uh, is not a favorite with me because I'm enamored with the first three. Of course, I was a kid when I was the first three, so that's my films in which my memories are based. And I find the, the current story arc to be too technical, too flashy, and not enough story. But that's just my opinion, and you know what? The franchise will survive. Look at the returns. It just matters if people like it. What is your opinion on fan productions, fan audio, fan films, have, uh, uh, the fan community for Star Wars itself? Uh, in terms of fan films, the first one I ever saw, I don't know what it was called, but it was basically a parody of cops with stormtroopers. Troops. And that was absolutely hilarious. I think fan films are actually an homage to the filmmaker. There's a point in time when someone wants to sell it, that they're, they're violating a trust. It's like stealing someone's intellectual property. You're robbing the pocket of the person who made it. But when you're making it because you love it, and you're putting it out, and there's no money to be made, and no one is, is profiting, and you're not destroying the characters or insulting the product, that's just homage, and it should be a welcome part of, uh, of life. Awesome. Thank you very much. And quick plug for uh, the show that you work on. Star Trek Enterprise, uh, UPN, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Watch it. We need another year. Internet, the cheapest frontier. These are the episodes of Requiem of the Outcast. Our mission, until Nathan kicks us off, is to review fan projects to make fun of Mo Butler and rip on everybody and ridicule everyone that we can. That's right. This is the all-Star Trek episode of Requiem of the Outcast. We started off with the first assistant director from Enterprise. Today is March 22nd, William Shatner's birthday. Yeah! And we're just having a completely Trek day, so Janine, I should make you happy. Oh! <laughs> I am not a Trekkie. Look, just because I have a healthy respect for one aspect of science fiction does not make me one of those, hey, I'm a 40-year-old man who lives in my mother's basement who's still a virgin Trekkie. Hey, you know what? I could go count all the Star Trek books on your shelves if you want me to. They're yours. No, they're not. Yes, they are. I've never bought a Star Trek book in my Doesn't life. Doesn't matter. That makes them yours. You're married to me. Virginia Law. <laughs> <laughs> Just like well, all those Louis L'Amour books are mine, too. Rob. I guess I guess legally they are mine, <laughs> but spiritually they are yours. <laughs> look, I've got a real... Look, The Lives of Dax was a really good book. <laughs> when I said I wanted the Star Wars Was that somebody's name, Janine Garner? Or Janine Spinlove at the time? Quick, give it up, man. You got a name, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could have been. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the very first episode in April that we've ever done. This is April 1st. No, it's not. So it's our... Well, the release date, well, today is March 22nd, but the release date is April 1st. Oh, April Fool's, everyone! Yes! And now, it's Terrence and Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Requiem of the Outcast. 
the award-nominated show, the Academy Fan Audio Academy award-nominated show. Shouldn't that, shouldn't that be the award-losing show? Well, yeah, I was going to bring that up, but yeah, okay. Just because we lost the show, the, the awards that we were nominated for. Hey, hey, but Rich. hey, you know, I I was nominated for two awards. Hey, hey oh yeah, well, okay. rub it in our face that hey, you lost I? two. I lost more than you guys did. I'm the bigger loser. <laughs> no, this Woo! is golf scoring. We lost less than you, therefore we're better. That's right. That's what I was saying. I'm the bigger loser. Hey, hey, Rich. <laughs> Rich, now, now, how many, how many? People were nominated in the categories that we were nominated in. Um, there was uh, Danny, Sebastian, Nathan, uh, Chris Hannell, Miss um, Cleo. No, no. What I'm asking is how many how many shows were nominated? Oh, shows three. And Four. how how many Four. how many uh, Star Wars fan radio shows, internet radio shows are there out there? Well, now that Digilama 2.0 has pretty much uh, gone away again, um, gone back into hiding, sought shadow. Uh, there's Jedi. No, they're gone too. Um, there's Star Wars Undirect and Chrono Radio and us. So everybody got nominated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I kind of takes the honor out, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so we're, hey, we're, we're losers. At least we were in the top four. <laughs> <laughs> Out of three shows, we were number four. Well, three existing ones. <laughs> okay, we got beat up by one that doesn't exist anymore, but okay. No, Chrono Radio won best show. Nate, uh, Chris Hannell won best host. But we will win next year. And remember... And you know what? I actually really don't care if we win next year because I got my very own special award. Yes, and we will get to that, but you want to know what? It's just like Steve Perry said. Don't stop believing. Don't that's not what he said. That's that's what he said. He said, you know, he said, no, that's, he said that's, uh, don't stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I, I, I can't do don't it. stop believing. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, you were singing like a... Yeah, well, that's McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is not McDonald's. Oh, yeah, that was, that, that was Chris Klein and... Uh, <laughs> And what's her bucket from American Pie? I've never no, seen that movie. No, that's, that's a much older song than that. Really? Yes. Even magic. Well, I know McDonald's. Even young, young girls. Something, 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 something. All right. Well. <laughs> well, in the in magic's in the music, and the music's in me. That's how it goes. Keep the music in, all right? all right? Hey. Hey, you know what? If you're hearing dogs. If you're hearing dogs in the background, it's because we've got a new puppy. Um, unfortunately, uh, for those of you who have listened to the show, you, you know you occasionally hear barking in the background. Or and that howling. Was, or howling. And that was our dog, Ginger. And uh, Ginger, unfortunately, uh, has passed away. And we have lost a, a, a member of the cast and crew of... Uh, of Requiem of the Outcast, and we are all very sad. But even so, the dogs are going to get put up in their kennels now. Yes. And, and a moment of growling as we as we mourn the loss. Ginger was a wonderful friend and hound dog. Boo! She was pretty and gun white, shy. And white noise generator all right, for the all show. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> all, all together, one. <laughs> everybody, one howl for Ginger. One, two, three. Oh! Now, in news, there really isn't a whole lot of Star Wars news uh, that we'll cover a little bit later on. Shrek crap. 
No, just <laughs> no track crap. Uh, the, the only real news is that Tripping the Rift, which is a really funny uh, uh, animated TV show, is on uh, Thursdays at 10.30 on Sci-Fi. They have a lot, they, they have a few Star Wars references, Star Trek references, they make fun of everything that is Sci-Fi. A really funny show, not for the kiddies, that's why it's on at 10.30. But uh, it's a funny show. It stems from a, a guy who dug computer animation. He made a little animated movie years and years and years ago, and it's a really funny show. Check it out. Um, moving on to letters. Now, <coughs> Jagged Fell wrote to us saying this. I hate you guys. I choked on my pretzel and was like coughing for five minutes. Considering you had me laughing so hard, I could have fainted. But in all seriousness, another amazing episode. I love you guys to pieces. If I could trade that Ewok chain to my closet for you guys, I would. Well, thank you very much, Jagged Felt. And uh, I hear that you are doing a little uh, production yourself. And I wish you much, much luck with that. Yes, yes. Keep us updated. Hey, we'll promote it for you. That's right. We'll even give you a discount. Um, yeah, we'll charge you half of what we charge everyone else. That's true. Big nothing. <laughs> Half and nothing. Half and nothing. Four dollars. Danith Vachar said this. Naturally, the Roto team waits until after the awards were chosen to make their best episode ever. Now I kind of wish that I had voted for them. Oh, we know who our real fans are. Obviously not you. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, Mo Butler says this. I was just this. kidding, by the way. Uh, what Mo Butler said, uh, uh, I don't know what that was about. And thanks to Leander <laughs> for the official press release from, release from Weasel Incorporated. I just happen to be president of Weasel Incorporated. I have made a proclamation. Here we go. Are you ready for this, Janine? Am I ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> A special award is being given to Janine Garner for outstanding performance in her role as co-host on the Star Wars radio show, Requiem of the Outcast. Not only for her whining, which is hilarious, but also for the sexy voice, which as we all know is capable of giving mighty oaks. <laughs> Robbie Chastain, President of Weasel Incorporated, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Weasel Incorporated is a tra trademark of Weasel Products Limited, 1990. Uh, Trekking Intervention for Janine. <laughs> you like me? You really like me? Thank you. I'd like to thank all of the little people in my big toe. The midgets? You have midgets in your big toe? <laughs> you know this is turning mean? into a Terry Gilliam movie really fast. Ankle biters! <laughs> <laughs> yes, who, yes who, who a plug for the movie Ankle Biters. Who was it that talked about? Alston. Aaron Alston told us about a movie. I don't, I don't think we, re, we have it on. We, we didn't record it, but one of those two gentlemen told us about a, a midget movie, Midget Vampires, and the movie is called Ankle Biters. <laughs> And hey, you know, with 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 a, you know a recommendation from either Timothy Zahn or Aaron Alston, I'd have to say that, that's a must see. Listen to the uh, interview next month. Actually, I don't think it's on there. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, you know what? Any, any one of them, with, I believe it was Aaron who recommended. Any movie with midgets in it that's titled Ankle Biters has got to be good. <laughs> all right. Also, I think because we are still completely burned out from StellarCon. <laughs> Which is why we're so still still tired. Because we um, had an amazing time. Yes, so we did. Thank you, 501st, for inviting us to your kick-ass party. And, and thank you, Con Carolinas, yes, thank for you, letting Ron, us for 
wonderful game. game. <laughs> <laughs> we dare not mention it on the air, but it was fun. But it, it was Rock. amazing. It was an amazing game. Okay, um, now this sounds really perverted and bad. It was a card game. Yes, it was a And it did not re- involve <laughs> removal of any clothing. Well, it could have, but we took those cards out. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't talk about what was on the cards, because it was a whole lot worse. It is all awesome. Nathan would have liked the game. Oh, Nathan would have loved that game. <laughs> but, uh, it will be at Con Carolina's, Nathan. Yes. Don't worry. Um, we, we have to say thank you to everybody that uh, that was there. That, that was wonderful. What was the gentleman um, that was up at the front desk? Oh, that was Captain Tobin. Yes, he's he a he's a captain of fi- his fi- the firefighters out there in a high point, and he was uh, he was great. He was really nice. He was I guess basically in charge of security for the convention. He did a marvelous job and really uh, supported yes. us and helped us out a lot. Yes, when we went for our interviews with um, with Zon and Alston, uh, which will be available next month in the Requiem of the Outcast uh, number eight at StarWarsFanWorks.com. The home of uh, Star Wars Internet Fan Audio. Would, would that be Timothy Zon and Aaron Alston? Why, I believe that they just... At the same time? At the same time. It was a three-on-two interview. It was great. Wow. And were they not quoting... Were they or were they not Uh, quoting Monty Python? They were quoting Monty Python shortly after Janine started singing Baby Got Back. So trust me. Everybody's going to want to download this next month. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) And by the way, they gained... Many, many extra cool points for that. Yes, they did. And, and just, well, I thought they lost, they gained so many cool points with the whole Monty Python thing that they they were they knew what we were talking about. They started quoting Python along with us. They know who the Gumbies are. Oh, the Gumbies! I mean, come on. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't get that. It doesn't get any better. Than I'm going to hear the sounds of two being banged together. But uh, that, that we. Um, also, another thing that we need to mention about uh, StellarCon is that this happened to be the very first uh, costume contest that our very own Janine Garner um, uh, participated in. And at I a believe, convention. At a convention. And, uh, she I entered believe, as a novice and... And... I won and, first place in my category. And she, won, and she won first place. And we're very proud of her. She did a wonderful job. So now um, I have to compete as an amateur... And at Con Carolinas, she was also going. To, she is also going to be leading a panel on Star Wars costuming and Lord of the Rings costuming. But oh, really? I didn't know well, that. I the panel has different. We're we're all going to have different areas of special of speciality, and mine is Star Wars costuming, and you know, putting a costume together because I love to just go to thrift stores or go to military surplus and getting different things, or going to Walmart even, and seeing different, hey, this would be great for this piece of a costume, and so I'm going to talk about, you know, yes, it's one thing to sew your costume, but it's the little extras that pull it all together, and then I've been sewing a lot of Lord of the Rings costumes for people, and so I'll be talking a lot about that, and I will probably actually, at Con Carolinas, I possibly might be debuting um, my Arwen dress that I'm making, her Return of the King um, uh, coronation green dress. I've, I've seen, I've seen it before. It looks amazing. Not yes. the dress, but the fabric. Oh, I've and, seen the fabric. And yes. and she will probably be on the the learning to speak Klingon board. So what? <laughs> she'll no. Be, she'll be singing Klingon karaoke. No, <laughs> I am not a Trekkie. Oh my gosh. Um, Leave me alone. I think we need to have intervention. And by the way. 
The first assistant director to Star Trek was wrong. Enterprise plays at 9 o'clock now, not 8. Actually, I think he would know these things. Actually, he knew for the show. He just actually, directs it. Actually, it, it, it plays at, at 8 Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. Yes, but, he, but we all know it goes off Eastern time, and he didn't specify. Actually, no, it doesn't necessarily go off Eastern time. But he didn't time. specify. Maybe he was talking about reruns on a different day and got confused. All right, moving on. Um, Why would he talk about rerun? That's going to be one of their new characters. <laughs> a a large, large fellow with a beret that just dances across the, the bridge of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. All right, now it's time for the much-heralded, much-anticipated review slash learning experience of Rise slash of Nobility. Slam! For her of Second Strike and Rise of Nobility. Now these, of course, uh, they've been around forever. These are the uh, first generation of the uh, fan audio. Ugh, thank goodness we got more comments. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, these, these are considered first generation because they were actually created in a vacuum. These were, for the most part, standalone. There were no uh, preceding dramas. Um, the only ones that we had was the uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and eventual Return of the Jedi Well, I will say uh, this, this was the, way better than Star Wars, Empire Strikes yes, Back. Yes, yes. By, by the way, that, the very nice turn of a phrase there, created in a vacuum. I like that. That's all Nathan. I'm oh, just I'm reading just, what he sent me. I'm sorry, I'm not that bright. Oh, Nathan wrote that? Yeah, Nathan. Boy, wrote that really sucked. <laughs> We hate Nathan. We hate you, Mo. Mo, hey, Mo. We told your story to everyone at Con Carolinas. Just so you know. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. Everyone at Stellar Con, including. Yeah, I think Ron. they were planning on like bringing in a live oak tree. Actually, so. <laughs> Just for you. Remember, I have access to the Star Wars Fanworks website. Be surprised what might start showing up. <laughs> if you find six trees on the home page, you get a prize. <laughs> I, I would never do that. that I you would. Know, that you think I don't know how to do computer stuff. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Rise of Nobility. That that has been in the planning for the longest, I believe. Uh, Bri- rising Mighty Oak? No, Rising of the Nobility. Uh, the Nobility is rising. Noble Oak? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can leave Nathan out of some parts of this. No. I mean, Janine, heck, if he's going to win Best Actress, I, I mean, think what can't he do? <laughs> I think Janine's obsessed with Nathan now. I realize that his foliage kind of spills over into everything. However, we can try to shield ourselves. Hey, hey Nathan, have you been getting, like, weird notes in your mail that look like the <laughs> letters are clipped out of the newspaper? Because I'm kind of thinking Janine's How'd you know about some... Wait. <laughs> Look, you're getting fan mail. No, I would never <laughs> clip them out of a newspaper. They'd be quilted. Okay. All right, Rise of Nobility. The the history behind Rise of Nobility. You know what? I have to say for Night Rise of Nobility took place on Tatooine. Nothing good happens on Tatooine. The audio starts with uh, the dinner scene uh, from Phantom Menace. No, it doesn't. Where it starts out with the freaking Padres. <laughs> okay. And Jar Jar, what were they thinking? Actually, it doesn't start Jar, with the Padres. Jar. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Jar Jar. It doesn't start with the Padres. It starts with him shutting down a pod racer after he realizes it starts and then moving into the dinner scene. Yes. So remember the dinner scene happened before the it pod starts race. All with I him know practicing for the pod is race. that Jar Jar was in like the first two minutes. And I wanted to kill myself. 
Bad move, guys. Bad, bad, bad move. You know what? We're, wait, wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, okay. okay. Let's, let's, let's go okay, with okay, natural okay, okay. progression. I tell you. I tell you. I tell you. I tell you now. Oh, no. Look. Like a man. <laughs> it's a lady. What's the use of doing? Oh, no. Shut up! <laughs> me not like you. You mean the man. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> oh, why well, you know that the swan? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Wait, that's a spoiler that's coming up. My I know. Danger zone. <laughs> well, we just took a turn for the eighties there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. No way. Easy there, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> I have no I'm idea what the words are. Right. The only words I know in that song are na 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 danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're old. Moving on. <laughs> Look, most of the people that listen to this, though, don't remember the 80s. Already. Oh, that's Woo! Sad. Hey, you oh. know, everybody's seen Top Gun. But yeah, I only saw it because Ron made me watch it because we were becoming pilots. Well, you said, think that's not in the training? He said, you can't go to flight school without watching Top Gun, and it was retarded. Oh. Had Tom Cruise in it. The only good part was the ice. <laughs> hey, guys. Oh, that's true. <laughs> hey, guys, let's go get, uh, let's go play beach volleyball in our jeans and Go to the showers and get all uh, get all hot and sweaty together. Playing the winter, That's boys. <laughs> I'm not playing volleyball in my jeans. Oh, and what what's the song? What is the song that's playing? Playing the winter, boys. <laughs> Actually, you know, Michael Jackson did a remake of that. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Moving on. Moving right along. And now, for another exciting edition of Latent Homosexual, uh, Homosexuality Theater. And now theater. for something completely different. <laughs> uh, Rise of Novelli, which clocks in at 44 minutes and 29 seconds. And um, it could have been 40 minutes without any Jar Jar and much better. <laughs> kind of like the Phantom edit. Um, <laughs> the Moisture Farm Co-op began work on Rise of Nobility back in the early part of 1999. First with an idea, then with a script. With the demise of the Moisture Farm Co-op, <laughs> with the demise of the Moisture Farm Co-op several years later, the former members continue to work on Rise of Nobility under a new name, Shaven Wookie Productions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like them just for that. Okay, okay, I will, I will consider forgiving. No, I can never forgive you for Jar Jar, but you. Will but they get at least half the cool points back. No, they get. Cool points for other reasons. Okay, they will forever lose. They still cool lose those jar jars <laughs> for a bad jar jar. We're cool getting points. to that. You guys are jumping in. All right, all right. Um, the okay, whole okay. project, the whole project, got started with the Moisture Farm Co-op in Richmond, Virginia. A bunch of them had gotten together in the episode one line at the Virginia Center Commons and hatched the idea to start a fan club. And six to eight months later, we were looking for Star Wars-related activities to do. One of the members was dating. Excuse me, one of the members was dating somebody who ran a small radio station downtown, and he offered to play a Star Wars program if he wanted to do one. So having written the occasional piece of Star Wars fan fiction, I was asked to submit something, and several other people were working on ideas as well. The original radio station that requested it went the way of the dinosaur about a year after I got started writing it. Jedi Talk, which was our backup, rev uh, backup venue, was ceased production, and the Moisture Farm Co-op went down in flames in November. But the play is still carrying on. And it seems that at every turn, just the perfect person has turned up to do what we, what we needed when we needed it. 
I never in my wildest dreams imagined that we would have cast and crew as far away as Canada, England, and Belgium. That, of course, was taken from Linda Lyons from the website RiseofNobility.com. Uh, let, let she me was see the, what you got here, She Rich. was the writer of Rise of Nobility. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Linda Lyons, music, blending story, characters, Padme, blah, 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 see, blah, getting, blah, blah, blah. All right, you know what? That's crap. Let's just talk about the no. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do some backstory, man. No, I don't want the backstory. I want to start the bashing now. No, I'm practicing to be like uh, James Lipton. Start the and bashing. And he's got, I don't have a big car. Okay, you get into the bashing. Start the bashing. Wait a second, wait. Now, let's get ready to rumble! Wait, you want to hey. be like James Lipton? <laughs> He's such a butt kisser. Did you like a cookie? Here, we have a cookie for you. Do you want a cookie? Hey, Barbara, a cookie. No, no, no. There's a story where she Hello, asked for Hello, gorgeous. Yes, he's like... I hate Barbara Streisand. Barbara, I've heard that you love cookies. <laughs> Would you like some? She's like, oh, I'd love some cookies. Can we get Miss Streisand some cookies? And so they brought her some cookies. She sat there for like an hour eating them. And, they, and, and, he, said, they and he said, Miss Streisand, I am continually amazed with the grace, nose on your with face. The grace and dignity with which you eat cookies. I am born anew. <laughs> he would make a perfect one of those guys. A Rise of Nobility won five People's Choice Awards. So... The people, um, yeah, the people did, were wrong. We should have won. We should have. We should have won. Yes, for uh, best audio. No, we shouldn't have because we weren't in those, Janine. Now next year, not we won't be in them either. Yeah, there will be in other ones. Not people's choice. People's choice was the. I, I think we have drama. People. We're like TNT. We, we have drama. We've got well, a drama I, queen I, anyway. I think I'm pregnant with your baby. <gasps> bum bum bum! I saved. I thought that mattered to you. Okay, you guys are stupid. <laughs> and you're not funny. That was, that was, man, that was an old one. I remember that. All right, the music that, that was... That was funny, thank you. <laughs> I thought so, just because you didn't. didn't mean it wasn't. Yeah. The music, I felt, was a very good blending um, throughout the entire uh, production. Um, they really used a, predominantly, and I think all of the music was, actual um, John Williams' Star Wars scoring. Yep. And it was remixed uh, in a few places to try to get it to flow a little bit better. And I think they did a marvelous <coughs> job. I felt that in a few places the music was a little long, like at the very beginning uh, between the you know, Star Wars and the monologue into the opening of the play. You know As what? I didn't. I think that it was. I, I think that it set the pace. This is not a very rough them up, go get them. It is fast-paced, but it's not so fast that you are confused, and I, I think that it had some nice, smooth transitions that, hey, you know what George Lucas did? It. The whole middle of episode one was slow. You well, true, to build, the, to build the story, the political... Right, and yeah. so, I mean, I, I actually I liked the way that they used music. You know what, that's your only nice comment! You know what, Rich? You know what, Rich? I'm with you. I thought the music at the beginning was a little bit long. Um, <coughs> You're wrong. You're both wrong. Also, I felt that there were a few places where the music that was used, which of course were very specific themes, such as Yoda's theme, Vader's theme, I didn't really feel that... I, I understand why they were used to set the, the mood for the evil person has a little bit of Vader, Vader's music, because it is ominous music. But I felt that it being already established as Vader's theme, that I thought it was badly used. But, let's face it, you know, what else can we use of Williams that, you know, is specifically themed towards that? So. 
We have we, we could put some Jaws in there, you know, maybe a little bit of Indiana Jones. Bah, 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 bah. Howard. Da, 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 da. No. Which one's Superman? I didn't know that was the Bullwinkle song. Oh, you could always use the music from Rocky and Bullwinkle from whenever Boris and Natasha show Or just from Rocky. Or Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm just a sweet transvestite. Happy to bless my soul. So every time that that uh, Ahmed Allah showed up, I'm just a sweet trans All right. Um, well, the time warp every time uh, Liam Neeson came out. Of the bank. Oh, let's do the time warp again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, of course, we mentioned a little bit about the blending, and I really felt that uh, and and the mix that. I loved it throughout the entire thing. You could really tell um, that it was one of the best mixes from the the entire uh, slew of audio dramas in 2003. My favorite one, and I think is the best of the year, was the crash sequence. Oh, it yeah. was amazing! It was incredible. The uh, it was incredible. The chase through the kitchen. I really liked that. You could really tell all the sound, all of the various sound effects. The dialogue didn't. What it wasn't too low. The sound effects weren't too loud. Uh, when they were outside, you could hear the crickets chirping and stuff like that. It was a, a, a phenomenal blending they did of sound effects and music and levels and everything. Oh, definitely. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, definitely, they did a very good job with their editing, with their sound, with their music. I mean, we'll get to them later. I mean, my issues with this piece are not the technical parts of it. My issues... <laughs> yeah, on, which on, we're getting to. On technical aspects, uh, very they, well they, get, they get five stars. You know, I mean, they're very well. Very and well. they're gold stars at that. And yeah. they're gold stars. I've got my little box of gold stars. We nicked a right in nobility. Now, the story was brought to us via flashback. Now, I personally, I liked it. I thought it it was able to insert it into the timeline where it it made sense. Now, my problem with flashback was that uh, every time they came back from it, George it was Jar Jar. <laughs> Why? You know what? You could have done flashback and never had Jar Jar speak. They could have picked another place. <laughs> they could have referred to Jar Jar, but never have had him had him utter a word. And yes, I know it would have been out of character. But you would have had so many yeah, more they people Yeah, like they could have it. said something like, hey, Jar Jar, if you do that, you're going to cut your throat. Oh, you know? <laughs> something. Just an applied death, you know. Um, <laughs> the only part that I found a major fault with um, was that the story that was being told might have been a little terrifying for an eight-year-old. Yeah. we got to remember, Anakin was a little kid, and here he's hearing about Anolo's death. Uh, the discovery of his tattered body, you've got No, the, see, I completely disagree. This is a kid who's doing pod racing and he's watching dudes next to him bite the dust, literally die all the time. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to be a big bad, you know, big badass Sith Lord someday. Okay, are we, talk are we talking about the story now? Yeah. Okay, yes. you want to know what my, part of my problem with the story is? What's that? Besides Jar Jar. <laughs> besides Jar Jar. Besides the fact that Jar Jar even exists in this, in this audio drama. Uh, part of my problem with the story is that all of a sudden, Amidala's got... Like all this force, she's so force sensitive, and she's she's never been force sensitive anywhere in the past that we could possibly know about. There's been no implication uh, throughout any of the movies that she's in any way, shape, yeah, or form force that sensitive. Yeah, that bugged majorly. That 
That that I'm sorry. If they're trying to, and, and it's my, um, from what I understand, this is supposed to be her- this is supposed to be accepted as canon. Canon going it's with supposed the plot to slip line. right in. Yeah, this it's is supposed actual... to make sense. And and by them just deciding, oh, we're going to make Amidala force sensitive. Yeah, no. Yeah, and what's up with the Gungan Obi Wan? You know? <laughs> hey, I, I don't have a problem with the Gungan Obi-Wan. I with, have a with problem Morty. with the Gungan having, you know, being Force-sensitive. I mean, it's... it's I do have a problem with him telling her her future, you know? Now yeah, when well, even Yoda said, even Yoda can't predict the future. So I mean, what we're saying is that Nordy, that she was actually... She was evil. She was of the dark side because it seems like the dark side guys are the only one that know what freaking going on. In that's that, right. In no, that story. you can't they do that because you have to be cool to be on the dark side, and Gungans can can't no be way, cool. shape or form be There's cool. No such thing as a cool Gungan. No. Okay. Even no. if they had their hat back. Now I do think no. that Gungans are the spawn of the dark side, but they cannot. <laughs> just as Anakin sprung from the good side. Yeah. <laughs> the Gungans just one day just sprung up from well, the dark side. You know, there's there's two sides to every Schwartz. You got the up side, I got the down side. <laughs> you saw Schwartz is bigger than mine. <laughs> oh no. Oh, Rich, you're about That's to get hurt. Okay, yeah. on next. All right. Um. Now, and, and going back to, to what we were talking about with Nordy, I feel that that it just that Nordy predicting that uh, that she would that Amidala was to meet and fall in love with excuse me with Anakin was just far too cheesy and I mean almost straight and out of far the Matrix. Too specific. Yeah, apparently Nordy is the Oracle from the Matrix. <laughs> Actually, I would prefer <laughs> if Nordy no, no. was like the Oracle from Scary Movie 3. It would have been a lot more entertaining. But Nordy's not the Oracle from The Matrix, because the Oracle from The Matrix just kind of hints around things, you know? Nordy's and like... messes with your head. Nordy's like telling her what, you know, you know where they're going to hook up, when they're going to hook up, how he's going to kiss her, or... And oh, yeah. my, my problem, my problem with, with Padme knowing this is that it makes them falling in love almost being fake and contrived, which... Heck, it almost does seem to be that way in Attack of the Clones. I don't need something that... I love that you strongly, madly, yes, deeply. deeply. It's like a YouTube song, you know? She, she's, got a, she's got a thesaur- like thesaurus a in front song. of her. I love you madly, deeply, <laughs> ecstatically, happily. And, you, you know what? You know what that, see, that's, that's why it's not a problem for me, that part of it. Because, no, no, no. But because the entire, the entire storyline no, in the I'm last two to, movies, to me, has been contrived. Wow. What I'm getting at, though, is if she knew that she's supposed to be with Anakin, why should she be like, no, come back to reality, we can't do this, except for, like, some Jedi ghost master told her she should. Yeah, some Gungan told her she should, and then it's like, well, well, screw it all, we're going to die anyway, so, yeah, what's up, dude, yeah, I've been liking you for a while. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's got some great lips, I mean, I can't deny her that, you know, I wouldn't. Sorry. He is dreamy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Hayden Christensen is very hot. Nowhere near as hot as my husband, though. <laughs> Hayden Christensen. Is, Hayden Christian is the, Christensen is, I will never be able to see him as anything except the biggest, whiniest brat that was ever conceived. He's hey, worse than Luke. It no, runs he the was family. good. He was good in the movie Life is a House that you made me watch. Well, no, he was good in Life is a House. I'm, but, but, you know, I still... When it, Until he burned it down, yeah. I burned down the house. 
Ew. But not, not just the house, but the outhouse and the garage. Uh, <laughs> even in women and the children. <laughs> even as a life, even even in life as a house, I kept having flashbacks to. But they won't let me use my power. They don't know I'm good at it. Everyone's just trying to keep me down. They're just trying to keep me down. He Uncle Owen's just trying to keep me down. He won't let me to go to Tashi Station to pick up the power converters. Yeah, well, you know what they should have done? <laughs> they should have gone to the NCAAP whatever people. The basketball people? No. <laughs> NAACP. Yeah, that's those NAACP. They couldn't keep them down anymore. <laughs> Oh, Jensen Jackson trying to... Well, you see, the brother here, you must let him use the force. Okay, that's getting cut. Rewind, rewind. He's going to be going hey. to the blackest man in the galaxy. Stop, rewind. Let's record over that. No, no, don't, don't, don't rewind. We'll just... no, we got... Let's start with the characters. This seems to be where uh, most of us have had a, a major problem. Uh, all the voices, but Padme stuck. Uh, wait, wait, we'll, we'll go with each one another time. I'm glad that, that there was no time that was really devoted to the establishment of each character because it's yeah. like, it's just like the Matrix, all of the movies. It was like, okay, if you want to know about it, read a comic book or the book. You know these people. You don't have, we don't have to sit here and regurgitate their entire backstory. Yeah, that's true. That it was, just fits in. That was, a, that was a great thing about Rise of Nobility because it's all characters that we know. They don't have to spend all this extraneous time <clears throat> describing them and bringing us up to speed. But on the downside, because it's all characters that we know from right. movies rather than from EU, I have a hard time with the voices because the only the one yeah. that was right on was Padme. And getting to her, yes, I thought the sound was fantastic. It's about as close as you're going to get to the I thought oh, it was yeah. perfect. <laughs> it was kind of weird, actually, eerie. It was so <laughs> perfect. Um, I felt with... Uh, and of course, we we spoke about it earlier. I wasn't too keen on the fact that Padme had force sensitivity. It just, yeah, that was annoying. It just seems almost like we're at, trying to add too much to an established character. Yeah, I mean, sense. why right. can't she be sense. a great, strong female character? And doesn't have to and have a crutch have to rely on. Of course, on. I mean, how many Jedi do we freaking need in Star Wars? I mean, why can't we have a great, cool ca- Lando, Han Solo, great characters, no force sensitivity, Wedge Antilles. Amazing mm. character, no force sensitivity. Why are we trying to heap the force on top of her? Be- she was a wonderful character. They're just, trying, they're just, they're just trying to keep us women down. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no, that was wrong. <laughs> now Jar Jar. <clears throat> We get to talk about him. Uh, with most people not liking Jar Jar anyway. Why and, and, would they bring him in? Right, and the difficulty that comes along with doing an established character, uh, could the story have been told from a different point? I think so. It could have been inserted anywhere into the Phantom Menace storyline and have it make sense, but it doesn't have to be around all of these these very difficult people to do impressions of. Well, and the, the worst part with Jar Jar was like, not only did they have him in there, but they, it was like they were emphasizing the fact that they had him in there. Every time they cut back from the... They from have the, to establish his existence. <laughs> every time that he's they... He's still here. Yeah, he'd be like the first person that showed he's up every time they cut you. back from the past, you know? <laughs> Misa don't want anybody to forget about me. Oops, me wants to, Misa wants to eat now. Oh, shut you know. up. You know, and, and they, nice, and they had such a perfect her. out. They had such a perfect out. In the beginning, she goes, Jar Jar, how's your tongue? And he goes, oh, it's okay now. You know, had he been like, oh, you can't talk anymore? Okay. He never has to say no another Jar Jar. word there you go. in the thing. And, it pl- and it's plausible. Oh, that cyanide's yeah. taking effect? Okay. 
<laughs> Here, Trevor, oh, you drink from be, the special bottle. You're going to be sent to Alderaan for the rest of your career? Okay. <laughs> now, here comes Qui-Gon. Um, Horrible. I think, I think Qui-Gon, uh, I think he attended the William Shatner School of Acting. <laughs> no. It draws out His a little bit. Facing was so bad. And I think, yes, uh, Liam Neeson's... Do a, little, do, do a little Shatner for us as Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan, you must pay attention to the living force, not off in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know what else the pacing was horrible of? The dude who read, and I mean literally read, the scrolling text. The opening crawl. Oh, yeah. He read it. <laughs> it's, it was like he was sitting here, say, say this is my thing, it was like he was sitting here going, one thing that has always played fan audio is the narrator... Should there be one, when should they be used? You know, Good choice. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, I picked that, you know, <laughs> ahead of time. It's, it's tough to do as it is, but when the pacing is off, and that's what I was going to say about, uh, you know, Liam Neeson's voice is very difficult to do anyway, but if the performance had been done well, we it could have been it. overlooked, yep. and that was the problem, where... Uh, Qui-Gon almost sounded very condescending many times. You know, it, it was just like he was almost trying to make everybody look bad. And it just... Oh, you're not a great it, Jedi Master like me. Exactly. You know, basically what Anakin, what Anakin is claiming Obi-Wan's doing, you know, making him feel like a little kid. Um, and so, you know, it didn't... The right emotions, the inflection, everything, it, it was never really and conveyed anything, across. Qui-Gon so. never treated Anakin like a little kid. No, and actually, Ruby, you're right. He was he always... He never did. And he never treated anyone badly. If anything, he was always the one who's like, hey, you know, there's some worth to Jar Jar. Mm. Hey, there's some worth to this person. He was like Dr. Phil. No. Dr. Phil is <laughs> Except evil. cooler. Except um, cooler. Now, Anakin... <laughs> God, I hate ripping on little kids. No, actually, <laughs> actually, I, I gotta say... I, 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 yeah. He was... Dude, this kid... He should have been Anakin in the movie. Yeah, he was a lot better than Jake Lloyd. <laughs> I think I think almost any kid they would could have picked would have been better than Jake Lloyd. Except you, know? you know what's sad is if you watched episode one on the extras, they did the screen test for like the the final three, and Jake Lloyd was better than that. I'm like, did they find the worst three kids in no, the world? His, his actual audition was good. His audition itself was good. It just happened to be the crap that was in the movie. But I mean that was just that was just a way to supply a bunch of special effects. So <laughs> you know the special effects tell the story. Everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> moving right along to Shmi. Uh, now the performance is just as wooden as the actress in the movie. Now I hope that that's kind of the effect that they were going for. Uh, some of the lines they were they were just read and not spoken, and that is a shame because it's very easy to lose the emotion the and it's easy the to moment. tell when you're reading when you're supposed to be acting yeah she was she was definitely very stiff it was like she'd gone to like the kevin costner school of acting or something <laughs> uh, to the now to the actress's Not credit <laughs> sorry <laughs> now to the actress's credit she wasn't really given that much material in the movies to go by it's very difficult to come up with an accent especially one that has a, somebody who has a very plain regular voice but it's even more difficult when you've only got four or five very plain-sounding lines to go with. So on this one, it's it's forgivable that you it weren't able to get the impression down. However, the perform again, just like Qui Gon, the performance is what should have stood out, not an attempt to do a voice. And and you know what? It'd have been more forgivable had she not read her lines. 
Yeah, I'd have been happy had, like you said, the performance. Had she not tried at all to sound like Shmi and just performed, I'd have been perfectly happy. And that's something that we say really in all audio because it is very tempting to use the characters that we all love, which are the established characters. But sometimes it's not the impression or the sound that can convey the, mo the, the point. It's the performance. Because, heck, let's face it, I mean... The Empire Strikes Back audio drama had Mark Hamill doing Luke Skywalker, and he still sucked. He was a horrible Luke on audio. He was a horrible Luke on video. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he didn't suck until after he did Return of the Jedi. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah! Bad! Bad bitch! Um, but, uh, but, I mean, they also had uh, John Lithgow as Yoda. So, I mean, you know, they had Dick Solomon from Third Rock from the Sun. I know. Well, he was one of my favorite actors. Oh, me too. I, I love and Third Rock especially. Well, personally, I'm more of a fan of him from um, back in his Footloose days. Oh, gosh. Well, no, the only from reason Harry why... and the Hendersons, right? Well, well, oh, yes, from Harry and the Hendersons. No, no, no. The reason why he's, he's best at Third Rock from the Sun is because they <laughs> kept doing all these callbacks to his previous stuff. Like Footloose. One time when Tommy's trying to join a band, he gets behind a PV speaker, picks up a Bible, and starts doing the exact monologue <laughs> from Footloose. And then later on, when the big giant head, you know, their alien leader, comes William to Shatner. the airport, played by William Shatner, and Shatner gets off the plane and he says, Oh, great leader, how was your trip? Well, it wasn't bad, but there was something on the wing. And he's like, same thing happened to me. Which, of course, the funny thing is, is that Shatner was the guy who did it in the um, Twilight Zone TV show when they had the thing on the wing that was ripping at the plane and nobody else could see it and everybody thought he was going nuts. And John Lithgow did that exact same part in the Twilight Zone, the movie. Nice. That's why it's funny. You know what? It's because it's your dog. That's why it's... it's, it's uh, you know what? You, actually, I'm a, I'm a real fan of John Lithgow from uh, Ricochet. He was a bad guy. A bad, bad guy. He plays good bad guys. He was a great hey, bad guy. Buckaroo Banzai. In the, in the <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Third Rock from the Sun was just a great show. Yes, it was one of the great, great sitcoms. Ricochet, by the way, was a horrible movie, but no. John Lithgow was hey, really good. He's like Bruce Campbell. They can pull together any bad movie. Bruce and Bruce Campbell Campbell's been in some bad movies, awesome. but were good because he was in them. I just remember there's a Give scene where he's in prison and he's going to fight this big, big, big guy. And he, he makes this armor made out of like telephone books or something. I can't remember exactly what and it ricochet. is. And ricochet. He <laughs> kicks the crap out of the guy. I'm, I'm going to have to watch that movie. All right, now we come to an interesting addition to the story, and that's Shizor. Uh, of course, uh, the leader Shizor. of the... Shizor. Say it right. Zixor. Hey, if you're going to say it, <laughs> say it right, all right? Stinky Pete. Cars can't! We're Cars can't! Cars can't! Cars can't! And, of course, uh, Adam Bartocci's great You say Shizor, I say Shizor. <laughs> you say Cars can't, I say Cars Let's call the whole thing up. <laughs> oh, 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 you know, <laughs> Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald are just spinning in their graves right now. You could, you could hook wires up to them and power the entire city of Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, with, with, with Stinky Pete, that's what we're going to call him. His new name is Stinky Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Stinky Pete's Tell voice was... Tell me never played Cheezer? <laughs> <laughs> he had a burrito. 
personally, personally, I love Gorp. Anybody get that one? No. no. <laughs> it was a parents on SNL when they were talking about. Uh, <laughs> it was it was their their really stupid radio show thing that they do on there on talk radio. My the chicks, the two yeah, chicks. the two chicks, and they're talking about trail mix. Oh. And he's talking about Gorp and how they ran out of Gorp and they had to eat one of the guys on their truck because they were lost. But anyway. Uh, oh, okay. soccer team flying no. all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, now, I thought Stinky Pete's Pete voice was really good. But <laughs> Actually, you know what? I was, I was watching uh, uh, America's Funniest Videos the other night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally they're, they're just horrible. Uh, but this one, it was horrible. But there was one line in there that was great. They showed this car that wrecked into the side of this mountain. And, and the guy said... <laughs> the wrecked into the side of a mountain. <laughs> oh, I didn't see you there. Yeah, oops. But anyway, the guy says, in the background, you hear the guy go, yeah, I'm just glad we can see a wreck in the mountains where nobody gets eaten. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I thought Stinky Pete's voice was very good. Well, that's because there wasn't an established voice. Well, yeah, but the problem is, is that's not really how I really pictured his voice. I figured it'd be more... Reptilian? Well, you know, I was thinking that, but I've never heard a reptilian voice before. Don't you watch the insectoids on Star Trek Enterprise? I'm not a Trekkie. <laughs> I think we covered that earlier. Um, now... Yeah. Well, we will record it earlier. Or oh. we'll record it later on after this. Yes. And then it'll be earlier in the show. Oh, okay. See, it's like, it's like a it's transformation. The magic, it's the magic of Eddie. <gasps> oh, great, Scott Martin. It's a good thing this recording device gets 16 gigawatts of power. <laughs> Gee, I can't imagine why people used to think. I can't imagine why used to people think that you were a Trekkie, especially since we covered that later on earlier. It's it's about like uh, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when they go to the restaurant at the end of the universe and they're talking about past, future, present tense. Yes, all at the same time. Oh, that, that is, is one so of the, confusing. That is one of the series of books where you, that you just have to read. And you cannot and, and I, I am reading for the first time right now. Well, not right now, but normally when we're not recording. You're, you're having problems good. with that whole time thing. Again, it is, man. It's confusing the hell out of me. Time warp! <laughs> Let's do the time warp again! You are watching that at Con Carolinas. No, we are that's the night of our it. party. I'm not watching it. Oh, it is? Yeah, oh, that sucks. I'm gonna. I gotta go down for at least a few minutes. Just see people do it up on stage. Okay. Now Varuna, Prince Varuna. I thought he was weaselly and really scared sounding. To be honest. And he I, sounded like he was a 20 year old man trying to sound like a 14 year old boy. But you know, I felt that that was actually one of the best performed parts because you he, were supposed to hate him, and you did. Pretty much. Ah. It really, it really got got the uh, right. point across. I, I, he did a really good job of getting you to hate him. Because <laughs> you did from the moment he first spoke. You're like you're first time he spoke, you went that guy's a jerk. Well, I, and I, I personally, I liked the performance. I thought that was one of the, really one of the better performances. Um, <laughs> getting to, to everybody else's favorite Gungan, Nordy. Boy, where to begin, huh? Nordic um, track. Not Nordic track. <laughs> People like would like to use Nordy as exercise equipment. Um, not all Gungans are or should sound stupid, or or just lesser creatures or retarded or whatever. I think that the other Gungans didn't sound that like they were completely clueless in the movies. Um, many times the character Nordy, many times Nordy was very difficult to understand. Now Pross were trying to create another Gungan character, but really thumbs down on the performance. I mean, 
Although, on the good side, is she did sound a lot like Victoria Jackson, which I like. Well, yeah. It was, it was, it was just... I think the problem was that Nordy was actually trying to channel through Madame Cleo. So there was that Jamaican young and Not Latoya Jackson. Yeah, let me tell you, you're too We've had enough of the Jacksons lately. Been seeing a lot of them on TV, haven't we? From boobs to yeah. To Janet Jackson's breast. From boobs to Okay, let's face it. She was really trying to do it to pull heat from her brother. From Michael, yeah, it's true. Well, she didn't. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole load of trouble he's not getting out of. Alright, Redbeard, which I thought also was Arr. he was a he's he's a pirate. Um but major. I know that they didn't mean Redbeard to sound like he was a pedophile, but he kinda was. <laughs> Getting back onto the Michael Jackson thing. No. <laughs> I mean, he, so it was more Arr. 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 <laughs> Little Billy's not my lovely. <laughs> oh, gosh! Um, Billy's jeans are on my floor. <laughs> <laughs> he claimed that he was 21. <laughs> uh, well, now. Oh, Jesse Jackson's really coming after us. No, wait, he's not black anymore. Okay, never mind. Uh, oh. Uh, you know, Redbeard keeps talking about what a pretty girl she is, and it was starting to get a little on the creepy side, really. I do give extra points to the writer because he was trying to add that extra level of creepiness that really just, it, it really makes him seem more menacing. But in the end, he kind of just seems like he needs to be jailed. Really. Yeah. <laughs> kind of kept away from the little ones. You know? Yeah. He's the kind of guy you don't want to, let, want to let him near chat boards on the computer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He should get... <laughs> Next Uncle Nasty Fingers. Good <laughs> 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 Oh, that was your wife's joke. Oh, that was oh, funny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. You need to keep this in the show. Oh, I, I guess that's getting cut. Yeah, that is getting cut. <laughs> 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 Alright. So much of our best material gets oh, cut, but it's going on the <laughs> bloopers. I'm telling you. Um, I also really like the tribute to Han Solo's reward from A New Hope when she says, "You know, oh, I can get you as much as much reward, more and more reward than you can imagine." You look, like, oh, no, I can imagine a lot. You know, I thought it was a nice, it was a nice little little toss into the original trilogy, I and guess. that was that was one of the few ones. Generally, that I I've hate heard it when they requote the original trilogy. Right, but that one was actually pulled off rather nicely, so I gotta yeah, give, gotta give them. Yeah, all right, all right, I'll concede. All right, <clears throat> now, all right, all right, right, right. Arg. Arg. <laughs> um, on a final word, I really didn't notice the forty-five minutes pass. It was enjoyable to listen to. I wasn't bored, and I was actually kind of entertained by it. Um, I've listened to it quite a few times, but... That's because you're a nerd who has no life. Oh, shut up. I, I work a lot, and there's nothing to listen to at work. Uh, there, I there really no work to do either. Yeah. <laughs> what about all those technical manuals I to be designing for my plane? I listen to... You don't really need those parts of the keyboard. That's why. That's why the manuals show the plane pointing toward the ground. Is that wondering. why my planes always break? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I'm huh? hoping they'll send you home, but they don't. Um, uh, now, 
really there is no reason for some of the performances that were used. Um, there was plenty of time for re-recording, especially, excuse me, especially by some of the side characters who record often for other projects. Those people, they've got the experience. And for some of these parts where they were just read off the paper, it, they should have been re-recorded. There really is no excuse for that. And some how, long, were, how long did it take to, to get I, this I out? I think from, from start to finish it was almost two years. Wow. So there was plenty of time. I know there are people out there that can go in two months' time from writing the script to final production. Not me. But I think that it was it's unacceptable to have bad performances in something like this, especially one that's as big as Rise of Nobility. And Second Strike also suffered from this. Quite a few audios do. There's nothing there's no shame with extending a deadline. Or flat out missing it as we've done. Uh, so, yep. And um, we still put out crap. <laughs> Now if hey, but at least we say we put out crap, and we don't herald ourselves as being, you know, the cream of the crop. Right. Well, maybe you guys don't. No. I do. Well, like I said, I enjoyed Rise of Nobility, and I think that most of the problems can easily be overlooked. Um, the, these were made by amateurs, and that's the big thing. And yes, for being amateurs. amateurs, they've done a marvelous job they, they with really the technical did, stuff. Yes, they did a fantastic job as amateurs. However, the things that were messed up, they could have been re-recorded. They could have been redone. And so... Or, or at least could have been settled to do differently. So on your next project, uh, get some better actors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, get some better not... actors such as, you know, some bitchy women from, you know, radio shows you might listen to. <laughs> and actually, you know, it's not Doo-doo. even better actors so much as, as more effort into the work by the actors. Or well, and, and not I think, even you more know... effort, just take the time. And, you know, we can't necessarily fault just the actors in doing this because obviously there was a director that... You know, everybody settled on these lines. Right. Everybody settled that, okay, that's perfect, that's all we need to do. And I think that oftentimes, you know, the actors are the ones, or the creators are the ones that get the blame for it, but also the director, which is a tough job in and of itself, you know, they need to say, look, you need to re-record this. This line, I, I want it differently. I want it better. Now, I think everybody did a really good job. All in all, it was a good, solid job, especially for the, being one of the very first ones. Yeah. Um, it, it's able to establish the genre. A lot of work, no doubt, a lot of work went into it. We just feel that some of the uh, some of the points could have just been done better. And they, they really took on a tough thing by uh, by using established characters. Yeah. That was the biggest thing. I, I mean, using established characters makes it that and much You already harder. raised the bar for yourself right there. Exactly. Right. And matter of fact, a summer's dream... Is uh, is in production or soon to begin production? Is that a sequel? Which is I'm I'm not sure if it's directly a sequel. I know in the comic book it's the continuing adventures of Padme Amidala, but it's cool. um, there. There's also an unnamed project that's also helmed by I think being written by Linda Lyons, and so I, there are other projects that these folks are coming out with, and I I cannot wait to hear what they put out because I know. That it's just going to be better. That all of this is a learning experience. And, and we hope hey, that if, as long as they maintain the technical quality that they have on this one, I will listen. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. all of us, you know, it doesn't matter if they sound exactly right. It doesn't matter if they sound exactly like the, the characters they're trying to portray. As long as the performance is good, those are all completely forgivable. Absolutely. I will, I will completely forgive that. But, but, but please, don't... don't uh, no, no more Jar Jar. 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 No more
Un- no, unless... Gungans, no Gungans, no, uh, no giving Padme special powers that, that she doesn't have. I don't want to see her flying over Metropolis and freezing, right. freaking working at the Daily Planet, you know? You know, or if you're going to do that, say this is Infinities, you know? Don't yeah, that's a good idea. You know, since it was supposed to fit into established canon, that's where, you know, we have some of the problems with the, the, the Force sensitivity. However, if it's slapped with a, an a Infinities logo, then everything is... Uh, you you can do whatever you want. Do you whatever. can make Jar Jar be freaking Darth Vader for all I care. Yeah, I probably he, won't listen. As long as he dies in the end, that's the key thing. Yeah. And, um, and of course... The extras that were available with this production, you can get an MP3 of the week. They had a different, they would play a clip or a blooper or an audio file from uh, from the website. There are also photos, commentary, uh, wallpaper, storyboards, portraits, posters, and a DragonCon video. Obviously, a video that was they put lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of effort and, and time into this. Right. right, and I think with knowing all of that, we just expect a little bit more. Now, uh, to close out our uh, time with Rise of Nobility... Here's a little n- known tidbit from Keith Abbott himself. Um, Abbott! <laughs> some, this is from him. Somehow we generated some interest from Lucasfilms. I don't know how they found out about Rise of Nobility, but we had a hit from Lucasfilms.com two months ago. I'm not sure why all, or excuse me, I'm not sure who all may have listened to it at the ranch, but we received an email from a prominent audio reviewer who said he was uh, recommended <coughs> to me by someone at Lucasfilms to take a listen to Rise of Nobility. We're still waiting on his review, but needless to say, it's an, uh, it's interesting to know someone at the ranch liked it enough to do that. That's another right. tip. Most folks don't know about it. So, hey, you know what? Congratulations, Resident Evil! So I still think we should have won for best audio drama. Um, <laughs> But uh, I know that with that uh, Rise of Nobility, it is quality uh, production, and that this might actually garner a little bit more interest for the audio community in and of itself. You know what? Fortunately, since Lucas is such a great, sweet, wonderful man, that he'll just love us all, and hopefully, yeah, there'll be some kind of awards that we can lose at those two. Yeah, I, I really yeah! feel like I really feel like Rise of Nobility got the hard stuff down. Everything else is small stuff that can be fixed. Second strike. Moving on to second strike. Yeah. Now, this is not the first strike, not the third strike, but the second strike. It's well, they say so. Butler. In the film, I mean, too. why do we even have to say anything? Obviously, it's perfect. In the film, the character, in the film, the character says, "A second strike." Bum 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 And his boss says, "Yes, a second strike." Now, Second Strike was, actually, excuse me, Second Strike won 16 separate Academy and People's Choice Awards. Including a Best Actress for Nathan Butler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was funny the first time. Yeah, no, it's still funny. All right. Janine, you've done it like five or six times yourself. (laughs) Well, it's funny when I say it. (laughs) No, it's it's not any more funny when you say it than when I say it. Because I eat no, you don't. Mommy, Daddy, quit fighting. Hey! <laughs> 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 All right, 1. <laughs> 1.5 years after the Battle of Yavin, between the X-Wing comic books and novels, the Empire is still strong but fragmented. Various warlords have begun staking their own claims. One such warlord is former Imperial Moth Erlis Duran. Is he related to Kip Duran? That was bugging me the entire time. Because no, different so, spelling of the name. If so, I automatically hate him because I hate no. Kip Duran. No, this is Daron, not Duran. Oh, all right then. I okay. guess he's okay. Carry Except on. for he was creepy. 
He was hitting on the chick. That's Why do all Imperial I'm, warlords hit on chicks? I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> when a new Republic intelligence mission to Neuron's capital word, Ferrisol, goes bad, it's up to a new Republic special ops team. Ferrisol, it sounds like Ferrisol. <laughs> it sounds like it's Ferrisol. An aerosol. Which yeah. is like Aquanet, a hairspray. Oh, and yeah. Kevin Bacon uses hairspray. It's all a circle, man. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon was it? No. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon was in that movie with Meryl Streep, who was in that movie with Diane Keaton, who was who was in the movie Hair. <laughs> oh, the play. And with Ricky Lake in hairspray. <laughs> in <laughs> the hairspray. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. What is it? When anything Honest. dealing with Nathan, you have to go. You need to feel a release, some kind of a bodily function every time Nathan's mentioned. He makes me want to hurl. Con Carolina should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's going. I'm going to get through this now. Yeah, why didn't you get? <laughs> I don't think it'll be best. <clears throat> okay. When a new Republic intelligence mission to Duran's capital word Ferrisol goes bad. It's up to a New Republic special ops team, Valken's Razors, to pick up the pieces. Enter our group of heroes. They're not perfect, they're not Jedi, and they're certainly not well-adjusted in some cases. But this isn't a space opera. This is war, and, and they're out there fighting it, each one knowing that for every success, a price is paid in blood, and every mission could be their last. So, <laughs> they're pirates. <laughs> they're, we're supposed to talk piratey things. Uh, second Strike was written as a fan film script in 2000 as a second project from the creative team behind Prelude to Hope. Uh, when Prelude to Hope production dragged on, Chris Newsom and I, th this was originally written by Nathan Butler, uh, Chris Newsom and I decided... Nathan who? Nathan Butler. Uh, <laughs> Chris Newsom and, Newsom and I decided with the confirmation from Devin Reed that it wouldn't be made as a film to take the story to audio. Being written in 2000 as a fan film script makes it a project begun after Rise of Nobility in 99. However, Second Strike's first act was finished and released about nine months before Rise of Nobility on Christmas Day 2002. The final two acts came in May and June of 2003. So far, Second Strike is also the only feature-length audio drama out there, clocking in at 15 seconds shy of two hours. The next longest are Betrayed Federation and Rise of Nobility, both clocking in at around 44 minutes and 30 seconds. The project had a cast of just over 40 people, playing over 60 speaking roles. The Second Strike story was meant to blend with the official continuity produced by Lucas Books and the other Lucas companies, but its cast of characters were entirely original. While we make references to events in various official co continuity stories, there wasn't a single speaking character in the entire tale that wasn't a new character created specifically for Second Strike, right down to new stormtroopers with new backgrounds. As for its success, I credit its story with the success, along with the names attached to it like Hanel and Kronke. Its, <clears throat> its tie-ins to other projects also helps, along with it being the first. It also helps that the project's early film intentions were riding along the coattails to Prelude to Hope's hype a few years ago. Prelude to Hope? Prelude to I'm Hope. back! <laughs> oh, God. All right, now, the music. I like the music, music. because... I loved the music that was used because it's a little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of fan-made uh, Star Wars music, and a whole lot of non-Star Wars music. True. Um, I thought the the blend was amazing because we've got everything from, uh, like I said, the fan-made Star Wars stuff. I think there's like a hard rock version of the Imperial, uh, the Imperial March. 
in there. There's also music from uh, uh, Resident Evil. And there's even a song that was written and sang by Nathan Butler himself. Uh, the song is called Call On Me. I thought his name was Mo. By Mo Butler. Um, it <laughs> is a touching song that allows a major humanity to enter into a, a rather tough scene. Um, oh, and uh, Lolat hums the Gungan celebration song from the end of uh, Phantom Menace. It's a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> Also performed by the Osmonds. Um, <laughs> hey, the Osmonds are Mormon. Yes, we know. Yes, we are. <laughs> Explains why they smile all the time. Hey! They smile so much, I don't think they have central nervous systems. Hey! Uh, <laughs> hey! <laughs> now, the sounds, I thought it was a great blend of sound effects. Ambient nature sounds are, are perfect. Uh, and it really it really sets the mood and the, the general location for everything. Uh, when they first arrive on Ferrisol, you can hear the, the waves crashing against the beach, the seagulls flying all over the place. Um, when they go into town, you can hear the town sounds. When it's raining, you can hear the rain as well as the footsteps in the rain as the people are running. Um, the blending of the sound effects, the audio, the, the, the dialogue, the music, everything is, is, I feel, nearly flawless. The only problem that I had was with uh, one of the characters where... Uh, it was played by Chris Hannell, and it was very difficult to understand what he was saying. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't remember. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Oh my gosh, I, I, I don't remember what his name was. Now. Actually, the my sound quality <coughs> of the voices in general was very poor. I think that uh, some of the audio could have been re-recorded because of the quality. Although I do believe that Nathan did a fairly good job on quite a few of them, like uh, like Clay Cronk's lines uh, with covering it up with ambient ship sounds or. Just nature sounds, generator sounds, what have you. I thought he did a rather good job of covering those up. Yeah, I just... The the difference in the sound quality between Second Strike and Rise of Nobility was was so evident, especially listening yes. to both of them at the same time. Yes, well, Rise of Nobility was made so it could it could stand up well on a 5.1 uh, speaker system. I listened to one with my left brain and one with my right brain. <laughs> I thought one was very creative, but the other one had a hard time moving. Yeah. <laughs> one was very creative, but the other one was very technically correct. And very intellectual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, of course, uh, if, you, if you really listen closely, you kind of start to hear some of the same sounds that exist in all of the butler universe. Um, you, the butler-verse? The butler-verse. The butler-verse. <laughs> that just sounds dirty. That just sounds... The butler, well, you get that. The butler, the butler inspired audio universe. Um, you start to hear a lot of the same sound effects. I think we should call it the Moverse. The Moverse. Okay, there we go. The Moverse. Um, it, a lot of the same sound effects that are used in the Moverse, um, like, such as every time a body falls, they always seem to have like a giant janitor key ring. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of this, <laughs> every hey, wait, audio that Nathan mixes has a janitor falling down a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of janitors in there. Yeah, <laughs> what do you think they hold their lightsabers on? Janitor <laughs> <laughs> key rings. <laughs> lightsabers and keys. <laughs> I, just, I just ask somebody out there who's making a fan film, please put a lightsaber on one of those things that you... That always attaches to your waist, and you just bring it out, and then you let go, and it snaps right back to your hip. <laughs> somebody put one on that. <laughs> um, we can. I think we should in our fan film. I think so. Um, so nobody else do it. If you did, your dirty bastard could be found. We said that we were going to do it first. Um, <laughs> and 
will hunt you down and no. And make won't. you listen to Rise of No. Tattoo No. no. <laughs> we'll make Second, you s- no. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah. make we'll make you listen to ours over and over. Our third episode, our crappy one. Or the first one without the Richard the Parmentier interview. Well, yeah, that was the best part of that episode, was the Richard Fulmontian interview. Oh. Anyway, Not that you were um, bad. No, I just sucked. I, I you just we'll hunt you down no, and we'll true. play that's the boring. Star Wars Christmas album over. Oh. I like the Star Wars no, no, Christmas album. No, no, Christmas episode. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Okay, no, Timothy Zahn said that that episode does not exist, that George Lucas has well, stricken it. Zahn said it, it must be true. Um, <laughs> Now, the story of Second Strike, uh, I thought it was dark, gritty. It was obviously a uh, war drama. They said ass a lot. They said ass a lot. Yes, that's true. But they were going for a grittier feel. That's Everybody right. Knows Why couldn't they gritty. say bum and poodoo <laughs> bum. and bantha liquor? <laughs> <laughs> they did say gundark humper. I mean, come on. that That's funny. That's some quality writing right there. Actually, I actually really, I did like the, uh, the use of... Thing. What was... Thing. Well, that's just it. They were Nathan was doing something that had actually not been done to much of an extent, yeah. where he was taking established curse ridiculous. words and trying to trying to add to them. I'm sorry, it just made me want to laugh every time I heard them. I liked it. I thought because it was, it was just you know maybe after hearing them a couple times, but initially it was kind of goofy. Yeah, it's sithing. I mean, how do you sit? <laughs> They're like the Smurfs. Everything's a Smurf. <laughs> Everything's a smart. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna sit off. Go sit yourself. Hey, let's sit, go sit around. Go Smurf on the Smurf and Smurf. All hey, right, Smurf off. Hey, sit on the sitting sit. It's like the F word. It is. Sit and a. Sit and a. Sit Let's move on to the writing. Um, I thought that there were a lot of really good lines in there. We talked about the the Gundark Humper, um, the the hide the lightsaber <laughs> reference, and, and pretty much most of Shista's lines I thought were were fantastic. Um, yeah, the bitchy chick was annoying. There should be no bitchy chicks in Star Wars. Well, yeah, somebody stealing your gimmick. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we're only allowed to have bitchy Star Wars chicks oh, on this radio yeah. show. <laughs> yep, pretty also, much. Also, I always. Well, we were talking a little bit about the continuity-like cursing. Uh, you guys didn't really like it. I personally did. Well, I didn't um, like certain parts of it. They said ass. They never say ass in Star Wars. Janine said that like a million times tonight. Because it bugs me. That's <laughs> why she says it so much, apparently. Well, I'm not saying it in Star Wars audio drama, am I? There's <laughs> hey, you thought we should win the audio drama award for this show? Yeah, I still think we should have. There's there's also a really good Matrix reference in there. I'm curious to see how many people got that. Um, see if you can find it. Listen to it. Uh, PMS, maybe we'll send you as something. Um, I think that the the love aspect of the two razors is a little cheesy. Yeah, and it was completely predictable. Um, the the one between Shista and the Lolat I thought was kind of like eh, okay, it's. Here's this innocent guy. Here's this chick that favors the dark side. It's kind of like, eh, a little, like I said, a little cheesy. But I understand that it was needed to propel the script and, and part of the power of one of the scenes. I think that the alien that they created was cool. Did uh, the water dude yes. could absorb energy and redirect it? Yes. That was the Dan- really The Dambian, neat. I think. No, Dambian was the uh, That telepath. was a really cool that concept. That was a really cool concept. And the telepath like dude, he reminded yeah. me of a Betazoid, but I'm not a Trekkie. I wonder if they did naked weddings, too. <laughs> but I'm not a Trekkie. Betasoids have naked weddings, Janine? Yep. 
Um, yes. Alrighty then. Alright, characters. Well, I thought that there were uh, just a few performances that were weak. Um, I don't think they conveyed a quarter of the emotion that should have been, or that you can tell that they were reading the lines off of a paper in front of them. Wait, hold on. Or you can tell that they were reading the lines off a, a paper in front of them. Now, you see, that was ironic, because Rich was actually reading the... the Lines off the paper in yes. front of him. And Ron wasn't, and but was doing a good impression of reading reason, lines the off reason of the paper in front of him. That would be ironic, is because he was talking about somebody reading the lines in front of them. <laughs> John Madden? No, <laughs> over here, right here, this guy reading it, this guy over here. He's going to do is he's going to come over here and he's going to. I saw him do that talking. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> I saw him do that on a show once. He was he was talking about the guys cooking sausages out in the parking lot. He was like, "Are you going to take this sausage over here and he's going to put it on this bun right here?" <laughs> okay, back to show. Um, <laughs> um, really, there is never, ever, ever a reason that that should end up being in, added into a a fan project, fan audio or fan film, fan whatever. Um, I think that uh, somebody can do it, but it has to be done convincingly that we don't know that. Uh, I think that a lot of projects put themselves on a timeline that ends up being completely unfeasible for them to reach without having to resort to some of these uh, time-saving things by putting bad performances in. And, uh, and to me, that's such a shame because you're trying to put forth your best effort and you can have a completely stellar performance by everybody, but it could be that one or two performances that end up really marring the entire project just because a couple people didn't have time to record it right. They had to read it off. Okay. That's right, we haven't done a Blazing Titles reference yet. Mel, Mel Brooks reference. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> Obligatory Blazing Saddles reference for the show. <laughs> I, I had just done the obligatory Blazing Saddles. No, we used that one last time. Yeah, yeah, we do need to. Did we use that on the last show? Yeah, we used it. Thank Gabby Johnson. We've used it every episode. We've used it every episode. Okay. I think that the variety of the characters was really nice. Um, of course, not a single um, of these characters was uh, established or pre-existing. They were all created specifically. Arian Kraken, who I guess is referred to, is from EU. Well, right, but he's referred to, but not actually performed. True. Um, well, that's pretty cool, though. I, I thought that was a, a nice touch by Nathan. That made it easier for him as far as vo getting the right voice. Exactly. You sure. didn't have anybody acting out of character because <laughs> that was the first time you'd heard him. Um, I think that uh, another good thing about all these different characters is that none of them were uh, redundant. None of them were the same as the other ones, um, which was nice because... Most of the most Jedi that are in anything are always just like another variation of somebody we've already seen. And I understand it can be difficult to create a new character of a Jedi, but oftentimes there is no difference, neither of opinion or uh, character acting. They're always humanoid. They always sound pretty much the same, and they always act the same. So to see these different characters, as well as the fact that the Force was, or, or the dark side of the Force, or just the Force in general, wasn't all that well known. 
the fact that uh, when Jaren is describing Shista, he says the fact that uh, she uh, subscribes to something called the Dark Way, Dark Path, something. Uh, you know, he he actually didn't know the entire Jedi history, right. which obviously was taught in the school books after Palpatine had tossed it all out. You know, it doesn't make sense that everybody knows everything about the Jedi. What is true, and, and that's one of the things I like about this is the majority of the majority of the fan stuff I've seen out there has been focused on. Jedi in the Force, and it hasn't really allowed for the fact that, that, you know, there's a whole bunch of people out there in the Star Wars universe that are just kind of people. You know, and that's what I love about the freaking X-Wing series. I mean, yeah, you've got a main character who is a Jedi, but he basically, he actually is not a Jedi, he can use the Force, but he basically is like, you know what, I don't want to be a Jedi. And that and makes sense, because it stands to reason that there would be people out there that are Force-attuned maybe have low-level force ability. They've found out some way to harness it a little bit, but really have no clue nor care to become a Jedi. Yeah. Right. And that they just, you know, have always had really good luck and have really good, uh, you know, basically a sixth sense that they can follow, and it's always worked out for them a knack. So. I like that. Now, uh, moving on to the individual characters themselves, Duran. I thought he that was one creepy mofo. He was creepy. Ooh, he's so pretty. Ooh. And he, oh. was like a, he was like a stalker. And yes, he, it's, it, it appears that uh, there seems to be kind of a running gag throughout all fan productions and bad guys in general that they always have to seem incredibly sex-starved. Yeah, do um, they all, like, subscribe to S&M? Should we move right to the torture? <laughs> <laughs> Even you're beautiful, you're long, luscious, they all, long you know, hair. They all seem like they're maybe just like a Jeffrey Dahmer in the making, you know? Yeah. I, I, wrote down, uh, I wrote down some thoughts on these guys, and one of them was, even though nearly all Imperial officers that capture a woman seem sex-starved lifetime channel vi- villains, uh, Duran actually pulls it off in a pretty cold manner. That, yeah. Yes, he's creepy, but he's still, he's still pretty kind of scary creepy. Not, not like just cheesy creepy. Yeah. But, like, he could legitimately but, you be know, a I mean, bad guy. He's, he's kind of a molester, you know? <laughs> I, I look forward to prying the information out of her. Perhaps she will, too. <laughs> and, yes, she is beautiful. I'm sorry. Was beautiful. I mean, stuff like that where it's like, oh, crap, dude. That's like, kind of rough, man. Kind of man. Stuff. Um, I like, uh, and, of course, the, uh, my other favorite character in this is Shista. Because, just like we said before, you know, she didn't know the full history of the Jedi. She wasn't striving to be, you know, a protector of people. She does her thing, and she under- the only thing she understands is that when she gets really pissed off, she can do amazing things. So, you know... She's like the Hulk! <laughs> you won't like me when I'm angry! Except hot. She's like the yeah. Hulk, except hot. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think she had a lightsaber. Good. I think she's one of the very first Jedi, or not Jedi, but Force people... They didn't just happen to stumble across a lightsaber. And I liked that. Yeah. Now, some of the extras that uh, you can get at uh, StarWarsFanWorks.com uh, are, uh, you can get a CD jewel case in case you'd like to burn it onto an audio CD. Um, all of these, uh, they're available in three separate acts. Act 1, 2, and 3. Cleverly named. Not um, Act uh, 2, 6, and 7? No, oddly enough, I don't, <laughs> he didn't. I think when we do our... If we ever do one, we should do it 2, 6, and 7. And if we ever write a book... Not 2, 6, and 7. Why not? Huh? And if we ever write a book, we're going to start on page 47. Why not It'll be 42? the very first page. I think they should all be at 1. 
I think we should have all Act three one. Seven. Act one. <laughs> act one. <laughs> We've got three act ones. That's as far as we got. <laughs> um, you can, of course, listen to the Call on Me song, sung by uh, Mo Butler. He's got such a pretty voice. He, he actually did a really good job of it. He's incredibly bashful about it, and that's why I say He's everybody. He's got a party mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, you may have to supply your own dueling banjos when you listen to the song. Yeah. But honestly, Nathan, he's... <laughs> Nathan's bashful about it, but he did a really good job. Wheel. So, so. <laughs> Call on me. Takes in an RPG source book uh, being provided by Nathan. You can get all of those from StarWarsFanWorks.com. And of course, if you'd like to download Rise of Nobility, you can get that from RiseOfNobility.com. I'm not a Trekkie. Nine hundred years before the Battle of Yavin. The last Sith War was a hundred years ago, but it was a thousand years long. I'm not sure the Jedi Order will ever recover. Two Jedi Masters are reunited. It's good to see you again, Canavigan. You two stay long. I really wish you'd stop mocking me like that. For a mission of galactic proportions. I am the Viceroy of the Trade Federation. My death will destabilize the economies of thousands of stars. The bounty hunters on the loose. Why are you doing this? Because I was paid to. The Mandalorian warrior of an Instagram. I hate Jedi. And we hate Mandalorian. The future of the Trade Federation hangs in the balance. A partnership for our fledgling Trade Federation. This is exactly the recognition we need at this stage. Experience a thrilling adventure from the twilight of the Jedi Order. Peace over anger, honor over hate, strength over fear. Peace over anger, honor over hate, strength over fear. Peace over... Star Wars, the Trade Federation, a full cast audio drama starring Adam Johnson and Steve Molman. Missiles. Now available from Sigma Phi Kappa Productions. Boys, boys, get to work. Sorry, sir, they don't really listen A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It is a period of civil war. The Dark Lords of the Sith, led by Darth Bane and Lord Khan, have won a hard-fought victory against the Jedi forces of Lord Hoth. Now, they descend upon the planet Dagobah, where even now the forces of light prepare to face their own demons before battling the darkness to come. 
Little do they... Can you believe this? <clears throat> little do they know hey, that... Nathan, I say, can you believe this? Dude! What? I'm trying to be all narration-like here, and you're discombobulating my dramatic juju. What's your damage? The site's not working. Again. Let me see that. Dude, I'm telling you, it's not working. Hang on. A, uh, rich? Yeah? Mm, yeah. It's not working. I don't know why you even bother with this free web hosting crap. Look, you've got banners all over the place. Pop-ups and the space and bandwidth they give you makes Warwick Davis look like Peter Mayhew. <laughs> Whoops. Lost me on that one. It's minuscule genius. Yeah, well, I'm not paying enough to buy a new BMW for hosting, man. We'll deal with it. And if you can't get your new project online when it's done because your web provider sucks? Okay, yeah, then I'll have a problem. Have problems you will not. If Nexus.net you use, yes! Yoda! Nexus.net? Well, let's check it out. Looking for a great web host you are? No further you look. Check out Nexus.net. Oh, wow, man. $19.95 a month for a year of this small business package. Uh, 20 gigs of bandwidth, CGI scripting, 450 megs of space, 30 email boxes, FTP access, up to 30 MySQL databases, SSL, and up to 30 subdomains. Hey, hey, <gasps> this one might fit my gal pal's little site. Gal pal? Hey, shut up and act excited, will ya? Yeah. 0.5 gigs of transfer, 20 megs of space, email and FTP access for $4.95 a month on a yearly plan. That's less than I usually spend on lunch. All these packages, I don't know which to go for. You think the big one? $44.95 a month on a yearly plan for 35 gigabytes of bandwidth, 550 megs of space, 100 email boxes, 10 FTP accounts, 100 databases, SSH, SSL, static IP address, 100 subdomains, and CGI scripting, yeah! Dude, do you even know what half of that stuff is? I have no idea what this stuff is, but hey, with this price, I'll learn. But if your project really starts to kick some tail and we need some more? Easy, that is. Yes, Nexus.net will customize a special plan just for you. And the bigger the site, the bigger the discount you get on hosting. Size matters not. Not according to a female, Sparky. Tell other fans about this, you should. We are. Right now. Hi, this is Rich Siegfried. And Nathan Butler. From StarWarsFanWorks.com. We hope you'll consider Nexus.net for your hosting needs. They maintain many well-known sites like Chud.com. And even wannabe primadonnas like Nathan here with StarWarsFanWorks.com. Who host a lot of big files by people like Rich with tiny brains with heavy traffic. And they're also the host for StarWarsWithAZ.com. We've had great luck with the Nexus.net service, and now we want to pass along the word to you. But that's not all, is it, you shameless promoter? No, it's not, my able-bodied sidekick in plugging. Star Wars fan audio creators who choose to host their files on a Nexus.net account. Which gives you a great hosting deal. And us, a new member of the fan audio family. Will be guaranteed an on-air interview for the project creators on either Requiem of the Outcast. Or Chrono Radio, to help you promote your project to new listeners. Yeah, it's not as good as, say, a chance to win a new car or something. But it's our little way of saying, hey, Nexus.net comes with our highest recommendation. That website again is Nexus.net. That's N-E-X-C-E-S-S dot N-E-T. They can spell net. Shut up. We're, we're introducing a new contest. Um, we're not going to have trivia uh, this month. Although we did have a winner, um, the winner of our trivia uh, uh, contest for last month is uh, Matev Kanaz. 
Um, he uh, emailed me the correct answer, which was Jeremy Bullock played Smithers, one of Q's technicians, and as an added note, uh, was the man in the Boba Fett suit in Star Wars. Um, that that was the gentleman that we were looking for, and right. um, and he won. He answered. He was the first person to answer, and he got the answer correct. And um, so, congratulations, Matev Kanas, Maddie Kanasta. Congratulations on winning. And in place of a trivia contest this month, we want somebody to help us come up with a tagline for our show. Yes. We are Requiem of the Outcast, but we don't really have a tagline. You know, something on the lines of, you know, a, a fan, a super fan, and a non-fan, you know, something. We, <laughs> see, that's the best way or to come up. Or something along so the lines of, hey, we suck, but we don't care. Or there something along the lines of pissing people off in the Star Wars galaxy everywhere. Or <laughs> we got Zon and Alston, you didn't. You know, something like that. Or or <laughs> or, or like like not the good show, the other show. Ah. Or you heard the best. Now try us. <laughs> or <laughs> biggest losers of uh, the fan audio awards for 2003. Hey, we lost, but we don't smell. No, oh, there's something go. like that. Hey, we lost, but we're not virgins. Ah. <laughs> Uh, actually, Rich, it would, it would have to be we lost, but we don't smell too bad. Too bad. Okay, yeah. yeah. We, we want a little truth in advertising. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, if you know, help us out. Come up with something. That's the trivia. So or the good, the bad, and the ugly. Wait. How about the good, the bad, and the extremely good looking? But <laughs> <laughs> bad. That's who's who's who? Um, uh, we don't need to answer that. Oh. Um, <laughs> answer that for yourselves. Uh, but if it, uh, please help us out. Post it on the boards or email it to us, um, and uh, we'll we'll do something special for uh, the the winner. Uh, we'll send or you we'll a uh, requiem of the outcast calendar. <laughs> we don't have any. Girls, we got to make, make one. I'm still working on it. We're we're composing the images now, and uh, I think we've got enough to actually be able to put something together. So or or, or, or maybe even a, one of the upcoming requiem of the outcast T-shirts. Ooh, Ooh that say, perhaps. "Are you an outcast?" on the back. Yeah, depends yeah. on what's coming up because we will have T-shirts and uh, <clears throat> CDs at Con Carolinas coming up in June. Um, and at uh, Charlotte. and bumper stickers and buttons and stickers, I believe. Oh. Well, we might have a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know. Uh, it's depend on how much uh, we can bankroll. <laughs> so we've got a lot of new stuff coming to Requiem of the Outcast, and uh, we, of course, would like uh, your guys' input on everything that's going on and also uh, your help with coming up with the tagline. Of course, Con Carolina is going to be in Charlotte at the Marriott. They're in Charlotte uh, the first weekend in June. That would, be Harry, June, that would be June 4th through 6th. And remember Harry Potter comes out that Friday night, and I'll be there right along with you, ditching out on Con Carolinas to go see it. <laughs> but she will be there for all of the panels that we're no, going to be doing. No, my panels go on at 9 and 10 o'clock, so I'm ditching them to go to Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, I hope Ron doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she, Ron, Ron, just to, to ease, your, ease your, uh, your fear there, she will be at the panels. Uh. They'll have me bound and gagged. We're going to send somebody out there with a video camera to record Harry Potter. Uh. (laughs) No, I'll probably, in all honesty, catch a matinee on Friday. Yeah. That Um, way I can, uh, an early matinee, so. And uh, also appearing will be uh, Mo Butler. All right, now, uh, moving right along. (laughs) Coming up is an interview that we did with the folks from Sins of the Jedi. This is a fan film that has been in the works for quite a while, very highly anticipated. We got to see a few sneak peeks. The level of quality on this film is incredible. This was an interview that was done um, probably six months ago. 
and we were holding on to it until it was just about to be released, to be a bit more timely with the release of the film itself. This was decided to be added into the show very late in the game. So here's the interview with our friends Rick Stow and Sean O'Rourke from Sins of the Jedi. Um, as soon as this film comes out, go download it. It's an awesome movie. Tell all of your friends about it. Burn it onto CDs. Give it to people. Homeless people? Okay, you may have to let them borrow your computer. Your local grocer? Give it to them. If somebody works at the gas station? Make sure they get a copy. But this is going to be a truly stupendous fan film. So check it out. Check out this interview. We hope you enjoy it. All right, uh, here we are with Rick Stow and uh, and Sean O'Rourke from Sins of the Jedi out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, my name's uh, Rick Stow, and I'm the executive producer for Sins of the Jedi. Basically, I've had uh, little or no film experience whatsoever uh, and was totally dependent on uh, a number of other really great people that were hooked in with this uh, fan film. Uh, my main... Uh, part in this, uh, really, uh, my main drive was to learn about filmmaking, but I, I am a huge Star Wars collector. I have uh, four or five thousand of the toys. I have uh, dozens and dozens of the prop weapons, uh, costume and things like this, so uh, it was really a great way for me to be able to showcase some of the things in my collection and get as close to being in a Star Wars film that maybe any would ever, anyone would ever want to get to be, it's a fan. Rick is Rick's on pace to beat Sansweet. That's, that's no, no. <laughs> he is a god, though. Uh, and, and I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm uh, the lead actor in Sins of the Jedi. And um, I've been in the film industry for about ten years, and I've worked on um, uh, movies, television, uh, and uh, we've, we've just had... I've also... I'm one of the people that helped write the story for Sins of Jedi because what we wanted to do was um, we wanted to do a story that was uh, would plausibly fit nicely into the series. We've seen tons and tons of fan films and we love what they've done. Uh, what we wanted to do, what we noticed was what people what people seemed to want and what they didn't want. And this film actually, it's a full length feature and it will fit in between if everything goes right, episode three and uh, a New Hope. So, what do we call episode? We call this like episode three point five. Yeah. Uh, because it, and and it does it 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 fits in very nicely story wise, um, and will end up exactly where you'd leave off with A New Hope. Where did the inspiration for the story itself uh, come about? Uh, well, it was originally supposed to. Since the Jedi was supposed to be a uh, five to maybe fifteen minute. Uh, showcase for uh, the East Coast talent here in Wilmington, North Carolina. The film industry has been been here uh, over 20 plus years. They've made over 350 films in the state of North Carolina. Everything ranging from uh, uh, The Fugitive, Batman and Robin, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, etc., etc. I could go on and on. Um, and we were trying to showcase uh, Evolution Entertainment, which is a brand new production company here in Wilmington. Uh, what the talents of Wilmington are. And so by doing that, uh, we put together the best team we could of film industry professionals. Um, and we said, well, what can we do to showcase the talents? said, okay, well, we can put some stunts together. We could shoot some little things here. And then everybody said, well, you know, what would be the one thing we could show what we can do here that they're already doing over on the West Coast, and we can do it at a cheaper price, and they can come here to do their productions? Well, let's tackle Star Wars. Now, 
once we said Star Wars, we were like, well, okay, well, five minutes, ten minutes. That's what they're doing fan films on the internet. This thing, once the story started evolving, became so huge because we had people in the film industry here that came out of the woodwork to work on this. I'd like to know more about the story. What Obviously, you don't want to reveal the entire story, um, but uh, just go ahead and tell us what you'd like the folks to know before they see the films themselves. The story takes place ten years after um, uh, Anakin has already turned to the dark side and and has already pretty much wiped out most of the uh, Jedi Knights across the galaxy. And what he has done with a couple of scragglers, is what I call them, that are left in the galaxy, he's formed death squads led by um, very aggressive... Uh, Imperial officers to track down any remaining remaining Jedi Knight. And what happened was they uh, want Captain Rizard, who's really trying to make a name for himself in the Imperial Empire, uh, decided uh, he would become an ally with the Jedi uh, to find out where the rest were hiding. So there's a turncoat and uh, we'll, you'll figure out who that is later on in the story, but um, uh, there's a Jedi Master Croesus, who uh, is one of the last of, and he had been on the Jedi Council at one point or another uh, during the history of the, the, the Knights, and uh, he has one holdout Padawan, and her name is Syra. And uh, uh, the Jedi Master, he's very laid back, and Syra is very aggressive, and um, always needing to be reeled in because she's 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 quick to throw out the lightsaber he's quick to hide and and be subtle and use the force to kind of do mind tricks on people to hide those kind of things you don't really see him uh, show his stuff until later on in the film uh and then they meet up with um uh, another jedi knight named solanus keegan which is my character and he was a jedi knight that was in the battle of geonosis and uh, actually fled during the big battle sequence. And uh, when he realized the Jedi just couldn't, couldn't handle the numbers, couldn't handle what was going on, and Jedis were dying left and right, he fled. And um, so he actually uh, is a rogue Jedi Knight, but what he does is he kind of bends the rules a lot. He'll, he'll use the Jedi mind trick to get what he wants. He, he's a... Uh, uh, kind of a smuggler type character. He does a lot of illegal things and doesn't use, use his Jedi forces for being a, like a positive person, that kind of thing. So uses the dim side of the force, the not, di- quite yeah, light, the di- not quite yeah, light. Yeah, not quite light, not quite dark. He's kind of dim. And uh, he's kind of really disgruntled against um, the, the Jedi Council in general because he feels that uh, they dropped the ball, that they knew that the, the, uh, the Chosen One was was going to turn, that they should have seen that coming, and that, um, you know, he, he doesn't have much faith in any Jedi left, and so he's just basically out for himself to take care of himself. Kind of lost faith in the system itself. He, yeah, totally lost faith in the system, like, you know, like we have with our own government. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> government organized religion oftentimes. I mean, you see exactly. You see those that uh, we, we hold on, on pedestals fall, and you don't see how they could, you know, overcome. Sometimes we just, like... We scrap the system, hold on to the beliefs, but scrap the system itself. Um, so, so Darth Vader uh, uh, appears in the film several times in hologram form uh, just to keep a track on what's going on. You, we never really see Darth Vader in the film. What I wanted to do is have this a subplot uh, 
when we were developing the story, we wanted it to fit right in between um, uh, Episode 3, which is soon to be released, 2005, and A New Hope. So we call Sins of the Jedi is like Episode 3.5. Gotcha. And uh, we wanted it an offshoot, but we, we wanted to stay true to the storyline of the, the movie. So Darth Vader really only appears several times in hologram form to uh, find out the status on the turncoat and if he's gotten rounded up the last of the Jedi Knights through Captain Rizard. And Captain Rizard starts to fail Vader a little bit, and we all know what happens when you, you piss off uh, Darth Vader. And um, uh, so he, he implores, um, uh, on, on the request of uh, Darth Vader, um, uh, Boba Fett. And uh, the beauty about Boba Fett, if you've been to the senseofthejedi.com, you, you know that Boba Fett is obviously in the film because he's in a lot of the behind-the-scenes shots. Now, Boba Fett is a... Uh, uh, he's a, his suit is a hybrid suit. Uh, it's kind of the last phase before it would go into a New Hope special edition shot with Jabba, the Boba Fett that we've known uh, so well over the years. Uh, his suit's kind of a hybrid between Jango and Boba. The the transformation of the battle damage and things like that. So it's it's kind of a neat neat take on Boba Fett, and uh, he is he is a. Uh, been given the the go to find and round up these last Jedi Knight, and of course, with Anakin, uh, you know, knowing really where Boba Fett's come from and his origin through Obi Wan and things like that, he he knows he's the right guy for the job. Uh, hats off to everybody at Screen Gem Studios here in Wilmington, which is was the home for Dawson's Creek for the last six years, amongst other countless productions. Um, they provided us with uh, sound stages, which would have cost $12,000 a day. Uh, they provided us with a $1.5 million uh, castle set, which was enormous, uh, that was used in the film Black Knight. Uh, Black Knight uh, with, with Martin Lawrence. It was a fantastic set. Uh, drawbridge, portcully, uh, you know, you could go anywhere in this set, up into the... the the, uh, what do they call those things? The, the, the turrets. You the could turrets, go up into yeah. the turrets mm-hmm. and the whole nine We had full access to screen gems for as many days as we wanted to shoot. And then after we finished shooting all of our castle location stuff, uh, they tore down the castle. So we were the only other production to film on that set, uh, which was Black Knight. And uh, I think our movie will be seen by more people than the people that saw Black Knight. <laughs> <laughs> We've had upwards and over probably a $1.7 million of production value uh, on Sins of the Jedi so far, and um, it's looking fantastic. We had um, Jeff Goodwin, uh, owner of Transformation Special Effects, he uh, started doing all of the visual effects as far as uh, prosthetic makeup, creature creation, um, uh, and it just exploded from there. Basically, Sean, you know, he... uh, he turned over his lab, and we used that as the headquarters for the production, his entire lab. So we had an area to, uh, daily to base out of from the standpoint of not only building props and putting together special effects items, but storing costumes, a uh, place to meet with people, uh, and it was a tremendously uh, unselfish gesture on his part to do that. And, I mean, literally this went on for... Uh, probably close to two years that we had access to his place on almost a daily basis. I mean, he just gave us a key. I've had an opportunity as an actor um, in the film industry as long as I have. The the things that you don't get to work on as uh, often would be uh, 
action type films, uh, you know, you can do all the dramatic pieces you want, which is fine and dandy. But I mean, you know, you wanna you wanna have a lightsaber. You wanna do. <laughs> so I've had opportunities that no other actor in this area have, has been able to do. Uh, we've done a lot of wire work in this film, so I've taken leaps uh, straight from the ground, Jedi leaps, 30 feet in the air. I've done flips. Um, I've been able to work with um, uh, the coordinators to do, I, I mean, we trained to do our lightsaber battles, which was something I had never been, never done before, and the, the finished product looks like we've been wielding these things for years, which, which, you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I could do what I've been able to do in this film thus far, and, um, those are things, and working with blue screen, working with stunt people, um, explosions, all this kind of stuff, these are things that a lot of actors don't get the, the a chance to experience, and I've I've had like 50 million elements thrown into one. Plus, I've had to develop this character that I play, Solanus Keegan, and uh, which has been which has been fun in itself. Well, John Copeland, uh, the, our our stunt guru, uh, John um, was frustrated, I think, because he has these catapults and all this wire work and everything, and uh, he was doing stunts uh, mostly he would take any kind of stunt work but a lot of it was like walking into walls or tripping and falling and things like this and here you've got a guy that loves to be and does a beautiful job of being catapulted 50 feet off a building I think you know he jumped off a roof on fire one day and stuff like this you know in his own yard uh, or in his own uh, studio but um, here this gave him a chance to showcase all this stuff and we were we were benefited tremendously from this. When we sat, we sat down with John and we started brainstorming we said well what can we do you know well, we could just shoot a couple of stormtroopers, and uh, we'll have squib war- squibs on them, and things like that, and, and sparks. And so, well, okay, that you know, that's great. And then John goes, "I got an air ram, and we can throw, <laughs> we can we can launch a stormtrooper thirty feet." So while we're developing the script, we said, "Okay, well, so we've got uh, the the Jedi Master Croesus does a force push and throws this stormtrooper thirty five feet uh, backwards." Uh, and he lands on his back, which uh, and, and that was performed by John Copeman. He got in the stunt, the armor. He got into the, the stormtrooper suit and did that stunt. And then we said, okay, well, what what can we do next? And we said, well, right, well let's kick this. We'll kick uh, the Captain Rizard character with a Jedi kick. We'll get a, just you know do a really cool kung fu kind of Matrix thing. Kicked him. He was wired to a harness. Went back thirty feet. You know, from a kick. So we've been able to do these stunts, and there's a, well, what can we blow up now? What can we do today? <laughs> and uh, Will Purcell and Dave Hill, uh, our uh, pyro guys, worked on, they did all the explosions for the movie The Patriot and countless other films. I mean, I could, their resume, I can go on for hours. And these guys were like, yeah, let's blow some up. And uh, they had a lot of leftover pyro from uh, the movie um, Domestic Disturbance with John Travolta. Yeah, they shot that. Some stuff from Patriot. And stu- some explosives left from Patriot. And they said, okay, well, we got all this stuff, and it's just sitting in our warehouse. What can we do with it? And we're like, let's blow up stormtroopers. So <laughs> we've had... Remember, ex- kids, join the 501st. <laughs> you can get blown up, too. Yeah, if you talk... The 501st guys, they came out. We had about 35 stormtroopers come out for one of our uh, sequences, which was the most stormtroopers assembled for to be shot on film since Return of the Jedi. Um, and uh, we blew up so many stormtroopers. <laughs> it wasn't up, funny. We blew up 30 cubic yards of... Uh, 
peat moss. That was what peat we moss, yeah. That's what they use in those things. Big really mushroom. We had moss. mushroom clouds that, that were like great. 20 feet in diameter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, people are really going to be blown away, literally, no, no pun intended, uh, by some of the explosions in this thing. I mean, uh, the people don't know what they're in for yet. I mean, they hear, okay, since the Jedi, they hear, okay, it's a fan film. They, when they see these guys explode and legs go flying and things like this and a stormtrooper, I, well, I can't, I don't want to give away too much, <laughs> but at the same time, they're going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that. So, you know, so that, what, what you're saying is that it's not two kids in the backyard with a couple of toy lightsabers, right? No, it's not, no. You know, it's not your it's grandpa's It's funny when you tell people you're doing a fan film, that's what they, they go, well, that's, yeah, that's, oh, how nice, you know, they figure out there with a Super 8 or a... Yeah. It's the amateur of amateur you know, that Isn't that nice? And I'm sitting here, you know, at my age, people going, what is he What is he thinking? And then uh, they see a little bit of footage, and all of a sudden the whole world turns around, you know. So. I, I, I wanted to do more stunts than what I was able to do. And uh, I, I begged and begged and begged John Copeman, and John, John sat me down, and he said, Sean, he said, okay, let me tell you something. He went into this whole spiel about... You're an actor, you're here for your face, you're here to look pretty, you're here to do this whole thing. <laughs> he said, let us do... And so he, I, when I finally got a chance to see one of the bits where they exploded somebody, and not only was there a big explosion in front of them uh, within three feet, they were hooked up to a wire and were launched 30 feet back. I said, okay, where's my <laughs> stunt double? And uh, <laughs> I had a fantastic stunt double, Dino, and uh, he doubled me for anything that was dangerous. And my hat's off to those guys. If, if you really don't appreciate what these guys do until you see it in front of you. You're like, oh, stunt double, stunt double. I could do that, I could do that. You know what? They, I, can, I will beg for a stunt double any day to do some of the stuff that they did, the explosions and, and the, the, uh, some of the flips and the jumps and the running up walls and all sorts of like Matrix-type stuff. I mean, I did a lot of it, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, uh, I was not... I, they, for insurance reasons and things like that, because they are professionals, they were not going to let me do anything that, that uh, would have put me in danger or could have hurt me. Yeah. Um, you know, one wrong land and you tear an ACL, you have to have surgery, you have to have... I mean, it's, you know, there's your career. And so uh, it was fun to have professional guys that knew what they were doing that would say, you're going to sit over there and your stunt double is going to do this. We enjoyed The fan base thing, you run into problems too because of the, uh, the fan base thing. For instance, when you're doing those hits and doing those stunts, these guys are wearing costumes. Well, uh, I'm sure most of the people that will be listening to this uh, <clears throat> interview have a cherished Jedi or Stormtrooper costume. <laughs> like that. And the last thing you want somebody to do is either burn holes in it or cut places in it for rigging or go through some of the things that some of these stunt people did with blood and all this other stuff. And that was a big concern of mine. I had a, you know, some Stormtrooper armor there and the, uh, the Boba Fett outfit, and the last thing I wanted to see was some some damage to it. So I got a hold of uh, Richie Bohatch, who built my Stormtrooper armor for me. He hand Rick, yeah, a Richie, lot of Richie's stuff armor. Told Richie what was going on, and the guy, next thing I know, in the mail, here comes these two big, huge boxes full of styrene sheets um, of stuff that basically were things where he'd worked on and hadn't come out just right. Armor chests mm. and back pieces and forearms and leg pieces, odds and ends from two or three different types of costumes. So we were able to do squib hits and put that on the stunt people and save everybody's collectible armor for the, the collectible. And board. we did have quite a few uh, 501st guys that were begging to, oh, yeah, be, they to be squibbed set up. Set me on fire. I'll set me on I'll fire. I'll do whatever. But at the same Battle time, damage, yeah. at, 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 the sa at the same time, the uh, the stunt guys 
uh, anytime you really saw, there was uh, several guys from the 501st that we did use, but um, they went through some really meticulous safety drills and things like this with the stunt guys. But most of the explosions, the stunt stormtroopers that were exploded and things were professional guys wearing uh, armor yep. because we couldn't endanger 501st guys. We love them to death. They love us. We, uh, we owe the 501st so much. Um, Alvin Johnson and, every, and his crew down there. Uh, Bob Bean uh, was fantastic. Um, mm. We've, we've uh, as Darth Vader, um, and we've just we owe those guys a good portion of, of uh, and, and we didn't want to hurt anybody. Right. That was our. That yeah, was I our don't thing. think Squibs got to put on anybody that had never had Squibs before. I don't yeah, believe. yeah. Some of them had his experience elsewhere, so that was good there. Because you know, uh, the last thing we want to do is have something like that and turn into a disaster and have something that you love. Right. Uh, haunt you for the rest of your life because somebody was hurt yeah. severely. One funny thing, when we were on the, doing the blue screen thing, uh, they had the Dawson's Creek uh, set right next to us, and there was a tour that comes through the studio with all these people. Well, Tony Colucci, our director, uh, of course, he's an Italian guy, and uh, he's got that black curly hair, and he's sitting in a director's chair with a baseball cap on. Uh, so the only thing you can see is the back of it. And we've got this blue screen up with a couple of stormtroopers standing around. And here comes the tour. And boy, they absolutely had no doubt in their mind that they were looking at the back of George Lucas's head and that they were filming Star Wars. Which yeah. <laughs> really, you know, I mean, it really flipped us out completely, too, because we really hadn't thought about it like that, but it was really neat. All of a sudden, we were like instant celebrities, you know. You may, you know uh, yeah, I'm at the top of the line. I'm a Star Wars producer, you know. Yes. It was really neat, you we, know. And we, we've we were wowed ourselves just to be there, and here all of a sudden we've been elevated, you know, to this great height, you know. We, we've had um, uh, countless people. I, I, I ran into somebody uh, um, in, um, in New York City, as a matter of fact, and they I had on my crew shirt for Sins of the Jedi. And they walked up to me and went, that's the new Star Wars movie. This was before Attack of the Clones. That's what they're naming it. That's what they're naming it. And we're like, no, no, no. you got to explain things to people. But, um, yeah, uh, it's really been uh, a, a mixed blessing. This isn't going to be one of the traditional fan films, as in it's released in its entirety. This is actually going to be the first Star Wars uh, completely finished internet series because we know that Legacy was originally going to be a um, a series, but unfortunately that uh, that was canceled uh, just because of time. You know, this, you guys aren't getting nobody's getting paid for any of these fan films, so um, you know, real life sometimes has to kick in and unfortunately take precedence over. Um, but you guys are actually releasing this in how many episodes and about how long are they going to be? Well, you know, we wanted to, um, uh, we wanted to release it in, in small episodes because we realized that there are people out there that still have dial-up. And uh, not everybody's got cable modems. I don't have cable modem. I have dial-up myself. I do too. And so I understand the frustrations that people have. So we were going to break it up into um, seven to eight, uh, ten to possibly twelve-minute episodes. That, that is our goal. Um, and uh, we think people would appreciate that. And, and, and the beauty of that is people can download the episodes, and a lot of the people that are involved with their own productions and fan films have uh, access to uh, uh, um, Premiere or Final Cut Pro, and they can actually, if they want, assemble the film and watch the full 80 minutes themselves wow. if they'd like to. I mean, that, that's totally fine with us. We have no problem with that. You know, That's the reason why we wanted to break it up. Smaller downloads, and then you can assemble, assemble each episode yourself. But each episode does conclude in a way that it's like a to-be-continued. Yes. Not, not yeah. like cut off in mid-sentence. Just No, <laughs> you, it, it, they will end with a to-be-continued. Um, okay. uh, they'll even, it'll even fade to black 
uh, and have a couple of beats before the to be continued count pops up, so people can edit it together oh, okay. if they'd like. But um, it, but it's being it was originally shot with that in mind. Originally with actual, shot with that in mind. Okay. You know because and we started production on this uh, two years ago, um, uh, and I know it's been taking a long time, but we did start it two years ago, um, and that was our intent because then I mean cable modem wasn't even really popular just but a, but a couple of the last couple of years it's really taken off DSL and cable modem, and we 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 specifically were like well you know. We download stuff, and it takes me forever to download fan films off the Internet when I want to look at them. And uh, it frustrates me, so I, I wanted somebody not to go through that frustration. So. Well, I, I do mine at work. So. And, and, and uh, some of the cliffhangers, people are going to really want to kick themselves because we are going to release them in, uh, with such a gap in between uh, the wait um, that people are going to be like, No! Why did you end it there? And so we're excited for that, too. Are we talking like a, a pause like Matrix Revolution? to or uh, Matrix Reloaded to Revolutions, or are we talking like Episode uh, Six to Episode One? No, no, no. We're talking it's not twenty years in between. No, no, no. Anything we're, like a month or so. Once or? we get everything going and all the elements in place, it should be uh, exactly like Matrix Revolutions and uh, or you know Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. We want to be able to release them uh, two to possibly three months in between each episode. Um, you know. Uh, one, uh, uh, since since the Jedi has been filming, I've I've worked on three or four other films, uh, uh, motion pictures, and um, uh, so is most of the cast and crew because we all are professional film people, and so we've got to you know do these productions, and you know we lost a three month gap where our uh, the owner of Evolution Entertainment, Rick Hoare, went and filmed a movie with. Uh, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ed Harris Radio, which is coming out uh, shortly or uh, will be out soon. So um, we all have to do the paying gigs, and right. um, and this is a labor of love. So it, it is a little bit more spread out, which is a little frustrating for us because um, uh, our executive producer Rick Stow would would ha- if he had his way, he would have it all done next week and <laughs> release next week, and right. and uh, we all feel anxious about that too. Yeah, it's not not that I don't imagine you guys are ready for the the entire situation to be over, but you're just ready for it to be over. Well, you know, there's been talk of having, uh, we've actually, we're having uh, guest directors come in. Uh, Tony Colucci directed the first episode and uh, segments of uh, some of the others, but we're actually having, uh, we've been thinking about having guest directors come in. Um, uh, Frank Capper Jr., that's locally here, you know, whose father directed It's a Wonderful Life, and he may step into the director's chair for one of the 10 to 15 minute episodes. So we've, we've, you know, we're pulling out the big guns. We, um, I'll give away a couple of secrets. Um, Peter Jurisic, who is uh, in Babylon 5, uh, was on Babylon 5, the series. Um, he uh, will be in Sins of the Jedi, along with uh, Nick Searcy, who uh, has been in over 50 films. Uh, his latest movie comes out soon, uh, uh, Runaway Jury, with Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman. He was in Head of State with Chris Rock. And uh, he's been in everything from Castaway with Tom Hanks to Fried Green t- Tomatoes, uh, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. So Nick Searcy, Peter Jurisic uh, are on board uh, to do some uh, uh, small parts in Sins of the Jedi. So along with the cast and crew that we have now, we're, you know, it's created such a buzz. We've got people that are like, yeah, I want to be in that. Wow. And that's really been a, a, a blessing for us. What was the... Uh the website again, where people can find out all the upcoming current news. Uh, you can find out all the uh, upcoming current news uh, either at theforce.net uh, in their fan films uh, area. You can find a, a link to the Sins of the Jedi website, or you can go to Sins of the Jedi, and that's one word, Sins of the Jedi.com. 
or you can go to my official website, uh, uh, Sean O'Rourke. Just uh, you look it up in Google. It's the first one that pops up. I, I don't know the the, num- the thing off the top of my head. I don't have it. But you can get the spelling from the uh, fanfilms.com, which is the Force.net's theater section. Uh, they have all of the cast information for the film. You should get to be able to get the spelling uh, from uh, Sins of the Jedi it, section. If you go to sinsofthejedi.com, the link is there to it go is. to my site okay. uh, in the news <laughs> section. Uh, please go visit my site because uh, you know I am a Star Wars fan. And I am I do play Solanus Keegan, but I'm in quite a few other movies. And uh, uh, you know if you're interested in following my career, you know take a gander because uh, I'm constantly working and, and, and doing new films. If you want to see the acting styles of Mr. O'Rourke, you can go there, check out some of his other films that are available yep, for uh, rental, work. purchase. Exactly. And if, uh, and if you're if you're a lot of anime fans out there, I've done six different anime series voice work on a lot of anime. Would so. you like to mention them? Uh, yeah, I played Ricky. I was the one of the leads in Crusher Joe, the series. Uh, I was in uh, Madox Metal Skin Panic. I was in the Vampire Princess Miyu and Sailor Victory, and um, so uh, just you know you can you can research me and find out all the <laughs> cartoons and fun stuff that I've done, and uh, you know and and check out. Please visit the Sins of Jedi website, and check out everything because it's a, it's a lot of fun. And of course, the episodes will be available at uh, the TFN Theater section. Yes, yeah, you guys have the the deal worked out with TFN for them to be released there. Will they also be available on the uh, Sins of the Jedi? Yes, they will be uh, on Sins of the Jedi. And if you want, right now you can download some behind the scenes. Uh, uh, for Sins of the Jedi and uh, set construction uh, featurette, which will all be on the DVD um, that we w- we are putting together. We're gonna have. I mean, it'll have all the bells and whistles, commentary, uh, DVD um, graphics, and the whole nine yards, which will be fun. Which those will be giveaways. So if you if if you come across one of those, they'll be rare. All right, well, thank you very much. I do appreciate it, Sean. And, of course, no that is SinsOfTheJedi.com. Check it out. Uh, highly anticipated. It's had some delays, but it is coming out sooner than you think. All right, audio news and updates. Star Wars Kids by Gregory Harbin has finished casting, and Nick Long and Gregory Harbin himself are starring. Audio Academy Award winner Amy Farrell will also lend her voice to a character. Coming up, released actually before this episode is released, uh, we will have Smuggler's Run, long-anticipated drama. On March 28th, uh, Star Wars on Direct will be recording. Uh, we've got, on April 1st, the same day that this is releasing, we have The Logan Chronicles, The Lost Patrol. We've also got Chrono Radio 14, Two Minuta. Um, we've got Requiem of the Outcast, Hey, That's Our Show. That's the one you're listening to that will have released at, on April 1st, obviously, if it's after that date you're listening to it. Um, Star Wars on Direct will record again on the 4th of April, the 25th of April. And our newest episode after this one uh, will come out in the beginning of May. And for all of the information on other upcoming uh, audio releases, you can go to StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home and of that Star Wars release Fan Audio. Is going to be the Zon Austin interview. Yes, that will be the Zon Austin interview um, with a little bit of extra introduction uh, information from us. Uh, possibly a review of Survivor's Quest if we have time to record it. It all depends. We've got a very busy month. Um, next month, and so this inner time where we won't have much time to record, and you are going to be getting a whole slew of stuff from Austin and Zahn since uh, we recorded for about an hour and 20 minutes, give or take. And Plus then, that and BS for about another hour and a half after that. Yes, uh, we spoke to Austin for about another hour and a half afterwards, and Zahn unfortunately had to uh, go judge, um, I think, costuming, or he had to go do something. He had something. to go do one of his panels. Yes, he had a panel to do. Um, 
And so we, we only got to talk to him for about a half hour, 45 minutes afterwards. But um, we want to. We just had an absolute blast at StellarCon. So again, thank you for everybody that was there. Thank you for listening, for downloading, uh, your continued support. Um, and that's all I got. Mm. Oh, and, and, and thank you to our friend Spooky for letting us crash on his floor. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you, Jason King, so much. He's the city rep of the uh, Winston-Salem Fan Force, and he put us up for the night, so that was awesome of you. And we'd also like to mention um, one of our friends, the city rep for, hmm, is it Greenville, yeah. Greensboro, Goldsboro? I can never remember all those G... City As a matter of fact, here. we went to one of those uh, cities one time, and it was the wrong city. Yeah, we were supposed to go. Kevin Hill, he makes one of the greatest uh, royal guards I've ever seen. He's a member, um, he's got a, an awesome tailor, I might add. But, uh, Who is his tailor, by the oh, way? Oh, I don't know. Um, anyway, I, I want to... I think it's, it's Janine it, Garner, it's, right? It sounds an awful... Yeah, I think it is Janine Garner. Anyway, I want to thank him, especially for inviting us to the 501st party and, and uh, for... Oh, uh, yes. And the 501st for letting us be there. We got some really cool cards there. Why don't you tell them about it real quick, Rich? Because we were at the, at the party. Um, at one point in time, uh, Timothy Zahn came up, and so did uh, Michael Stack. No, no, let me explain how it happened, because okay. the, what had 501st, happened was... the 501st would not have got these cards if it weren't for me, might, I might add, because oh, really? I had, because we were interviewing Aaron Alston and Timothy Zahn, I missed the book signing for Michael Stackpole, and I really wanted to get my book signed. Well, the two of them said that he would have, that they were sure he would have no problem signing my books at the party. And so I ran into Michael Stackpole later, and I said, hey, are you going to the 501st party? He said, yes. I said, would you mind signing my books there? And he said, hey, no problem. And I was like, wonderful. So I brought my books up, pulled them out, and he noticed that a couple of them were the, the comic books. And he said, well, I need to run up to my room and grab a Sharpie to sign those. And I was like, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. And you really don't need to go get a Sharpie. He said, no, I insist. You know, I really would like to sign these for you. So he ran up to his room, and when he was up there grabbing the Sharpie, he saw these cards that Rich is going to tell you about. And so if it weren't for me wanting to get my book signed, him going up to his room to get a Sharpie, he wouldn't have seen the cards to bring him down to sign for the 501st. So 501st, you can thank me. Um, the, uh, I thank me. <laughs> and I thank you, too. Um, the cards themselves, they're about the size of a paperback book. They're an enlarged version of the customizable card game available uh, from Decipher. Um, on these cards is Talon Card, um, Corn, Horn. Corn Horn, thank you, and Mara Jade. Now, Mara Jade, of course, is played by Shannon Basca, and uh, Talon Card is played by Michael Stackpole. No. No. Talon, Talon Card is played by Timothy Zahn. And Corn uh, Horn is played by Michael Stackpole. So you have these guys on them, and they were nice enough to autograph them for us. So all we need is, uh, if there's a convention that hopefully uh, is near us that Shannon Basca's at, we're going to get her to sign it. And uh, and the, the card itself is amazing. Um, it was a hell of a gift. Uh-huh. And I might add um, a little bit of irony that Michael Stackpole told us about. So many people accused him after I, Jedi that he based Cornhorn off himself because of the goatee and everything, that specifically for this card, he thought, how ironic would it be if I shave off my goatee to portray Cornhorn goateeless, since he's known for his goatee at this point now. Both characters, both people, <laughs> whatever. And, of course, um, again, we want to thank everybody from the 501st. It was a hell of a party. It was and, a great uh, party. And, and Con Carolina. And Con Carolina. They were amazing. <laughs> that was such a fun that was, party. That was, except for the, the 
drunk lady that kept going by and telling me my number was 86. Well, and the fact that the hotel management tried to throw us out two or three times. Because we kept being too loud. What's that? I'm never loud. It was kind of because of the game. Was yeah, a bit adult in nature, right. and, and yeah. tossing out some of the comments that are supposed to be said because of the game. That may have been one of the reasons why we almost got thrown out. But hey, let's face it: a party in a party, unless you get almost thrown out. So that's true. That's true. All right, and coming up uh, is a is an audio clip um, from the party with the 501st, and uh, that's it for us. So we just say thank you very much. And, and may uh, the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> and tune in again next month for the Timothy Zahn Aaron Austin interview. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, it's, it's Rich, Ron, and Janine. We're here at uh, Requiem of the Outcast. We're at the 501st after party from the Stellar Yeah, uh, it's fun. We got these cards from um, these two author guys named Michael Stackpole and Timothy Zahn, and their pictures of themselves being Mara Jane and Cornhorn. And some other guy named Talon Card. I know I should know him. Anyway, yeah, the card is cool. They signed him. All right, and like we said, we're at the party, the after party for the 501st. Hey, everybody, do freaking rules! 501st rules! What? 501st rules! <laughs> Who else rules? How about Zon? Yeah! yeah! How about yeah! One more time for the 501st, guys. Woo!